What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Sports Exchange. My name is Scott Morganroth, along with Candace Ebling, and Louis Adio Weiss will be on in a little while. And we are joined by veteran UCLA broadcaster and president of the Southern California Sports Broadcasters, uh, Chris Robertson. Chris, thanks for being on the Sports Exchange. Scott, it is always a pleasure. Thanks for having me back again, pal. You're very welcome. And Chris, I'll tell you, it was a pleasure meeting you face-to-face over at the uh, event. And i got to tell you, it was nice meeting a lot of cool people over at that luncheon. Really enjoyed the time and look forward to doing it again sometime down the road. We are definitely going to do it again. It was good to have you out there. And uh, you are officially now the furthest member of the SoCal Sports broadcasters because you live on the east coast and uh, of course we're in la right by uh, los angeles so good to have you on the on the team so to speak as a solid member it all was a lot of fun and like i said i'm looking forward to a return visit before we get into some business though you have to go ahead and let candace ebling realize how good that garlic bread was over at the smokehouse that was phenomenal she gets so caught up in mama mia out in uh, wisconsin go ahead give her some uh, information about the garlic bread hi chris i'll tell you what the, the smokehouse is uh right down the street from lakeside golf course where we hold our meetings mm-hmm. and had our big luncheon and Scott and I got over there, and uh, they asked us, would you like a small order of uh, cheese garlic bread? No, bring us the large one. <laughs> and uh, I don't think I've ever seen a Michigander transplanted to Florida that uh, bit into more pieces of uh, garlic bread than uh, Scott. And he says, wait till I tell my wife, Candy. She's not going to believe it, but I can tell you, Candy, from first-hand experience. We had a great lunch, and uh, he loves the garlic bread. I can't wait to get you out to so, West with him the next trip, and uh, it'll be my pleasure to take you to the smokehouse. So, Chris, the truth comes out, a large basket, and and Scott was eating all kinds of bites of the garlic bread. Hmm, that's not the story I got exactly, but he did say it was really, really good. <laughs> yeah, I was kidding him that uh, the uh, big piece of cake that he had her dessert was non-caloric, and of course, I was lying a little bit. It was only about 400 calories, but uh, who's counting calories when you're having a great lunch? Don't get me in trouble, but yeah, that we had a heck of a time, that's for sure. I'm already in trouble. That's okay. All right, well, now that we had a chance to reminisce a little bit, Chris, we have some breaking news before we get to the business at hand. And earlier uh, this afternoon... Motorsports suffered a major loss with John Andretti dying at the age of 56 today due to colon cancer. And obviously he's racing's most versatile driver who also participated in the Indy 500 and Coca-Cola 600 on one day. So I know a lot of people are talking about an individual in L.A., but John Andretti passes away at the age of 56 and he was actually diagnosed in 2017. So all of our hearts go out to the Andretti family. You know, we hate to, when we talk about death, you lose it in numbers. And John Andretti will be uh, sorely missed by the motorsports community. So, well, and I had a chance. 
chance to do a lot of his racing when uh, he first started out at Old Ontario Motor Speedway uh, here in uh, Greater Southern California, and also at Riverside Raceway. And you're right, uh, he's going to be missed. He was a great racer, great competitor, and from a great family. And uh, you better believe our uh, hearts and prayers are with the Andrettis. All right, obviously the subject that I believe in my own mind is overloaded, but we have no choice but to address it is Kobe Bryant. So what is it? let's talk about the thing that we initially discussed about pilot error. You can go into what you feel is pertinent about what you know so far, Chris. Well, you know, uh, listen, I'm not a pilot, and uh, I've flown in helicopters, but uh, and let's face it, uh, the late Kobe Bryant and his daughter, uh, along with seven other individuals from Orange County that can't be forgotten either, passed away when uh, his helicopter crashed when they were on the way to uh, his little girls, little, she's 13, uh, one of her basketball games in a tournament at uh, the Mamba Academy, which is uh, run by Kobe Bryant's family now. He used to run it himself. But... Uh, it was a tragic turn of events. Uh, the N- NTSB has stated that uh, the weather conditions were just horrible, fog. And I've driven that route through the Calabasas area outside of Los Angeles a lot. And there are some steep hillsides on both sides of the freeway, the 101. And apparently uh, they got confused. They say the pilot who was flying the um, helicopter and uh, it was one of those situations where uh, Ares O'Brien is his name looked like he was trying to take it up above the clouds and uh, the NTSB says he missed the cliff of getting above the mountain that he hit by about 20 to 30 feet and he was uh, accelerating while he was trying to get above the clouds and mountain up to about 180 miles an hour when they crashed and uh, it was just really an unfortunate situation a debris field uh, that was between 250 to 300 yards so it was uh, uh, it was really a tragic situation they finally got all of the bodies recovered and uh, you know really uh, besides Kobe and his uh, daughter Gigi John Alcivelli, a longtime baseball coach from Orange Coast College that won the national championship for JCs last year. He passed along with his wife, Carrie, their daughter, Alyssa, Christina Mauser, uh, an assistant basketball coach at the Sports Academy. She passed, 38 years old. Then Sarah Chester, who's 45, Chester's daughter, 8, 13, then we mentioned the pilot, 50-year-old Hera Zobayan. Those are the other people that passed. And uh, listen, I, I know we keep talking about Kobe and his family, but those other families from Orange County uh, are aching and hurting. And it's a tough one to get over, Scott. Uh, and all of them, uh, Kobe, along with the rest of the 
people that passed on that helicopter are going to be missed. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I had a steady, or isn't funny, I had a steady diet of the 101, and I know one thing you did tell me when I was out in SoCal is it is a great road, a lot of scenery, but I'll tell you, it wasn't so nice on that particular day. So, yeah, uh, rest in peace to all the families that were definitely affected yeah. uh, by that accident. And I know that the impact on the community, Chris, has to be tremendous, isn't it? Well, at the uh, basketball world, sports world, Kings, Ducks, Dodgers, Angels, uh, you name it, they postponed uh, a basketball game a couple of nights ago, and I think that was a good move by the uh, NBA to say, let's put the Clippers, who are in Los Angeles, and the Lakers, uh, reschedule that one and get back to basketball later on in the week. And I think that was a good move by the NBA because hearts were just so heavy. In fact, every night at the Staples Center, including this one uh, tonight, there's just tons of people still dropping by to pay tribute to uh, Bobby Bryant. He was loved not just as a player, and he's uh, arguably one of the greatest that's ever put on a pair of sneakers in pro basketball, but uh, he was a great man, too, and it turned out to be a great family man. He loved being a he called it a girl, girl dad with his four uh, young daughters. Uh, Mom, Vanessa, just had another baby uh, near the end of uh, 2019, and that gave him four daughters. There's three now with uh, Gigi passing with her, her dad, Kobe. But, uh, well, you talk about uh, heavy hearts. It's like this one's a, a little bit of a tough one to get over not only for the basketball community, but right here in Southern California. Yeah. I'm personal, personal. my son lives uh, in Newport Beach by uh, the Bryant family, and my daughter lives in Orange County. And, and uh, they're, they're, they're about as uh, upset with this as anybody else. But uh, it, it's a tough one to get over, Scott. That's the bottom line. Yeah, I was about to ask you this, okay. Would you say in all your years, Chris, that this is one of the most impactful deaths in the Los Angeles community in many years? Well, I think probably because Kobe was so young. He was 41 right. years old, retired not long ago, back in 2016, and still very impactful uh, in the sports community and did so many good things for Make-A-Wish, uh, helping other young people out. He loved coaching youth basketball for the girls especially his daughter's team. But he was still very, very active. And uh, the thing to mention about that helicopter crash, he, he used that helicopter and company, maybe not the same uh, pilot all the time, but he'd been flying back and forth to the Staples Center from Orange County in Newport Beach uh, the last you know, 15 to 20 years. So there have been hundreds of flights that he's been on. And uh, it's, it's kind of funny, if he was going somewhere, he would invite friends and uh, family to go with him. And uh, that would be the last thing you'd think of. Sure, you'd love to have a ride to downtown L.A. or over into the uh, San Fernando Valley or the brink of it and go to a girls' basketball game. And the last thing you think of is a, a crash, but it, it took some lives. Yeah, one way to circumvent that traffic, without a doubt, because everybody knows that Southern California, particularly the Los Angeles area, is known for it. Well, the one 
thing that you talked about when you came out, you kept asking me, how far is it from LAX to uh, Lakeside Country Club? And I said, well, it sometimes could be a half an hour, it could be an hour and a half. And you said, well, you give uh, directions and uh, distance more in time than in uh, miles. And right. That's the way you got to do it with the traffic problems in, uh, in greater Los Angeles. Well, I do know that Bob Hope Airport will be the next destination airport that I have, God willing, because I know how far it was since I really developed a liking for Burbank. All right, let's talk about the outpouring feelings around the world. No secret, they, uh, not only did the L.A. community lose an icon, but the world did as well because of Kobe's brand internationally as well as throughout the United States and North America. Well, you know, there's uh, a lot of people that love pro basketball and follow it uh, religiously. And uh, I think that uh, there are a couple of examples made by... Uh, some of his close friends that they'd be on a trip somewhere, maybe over in Europe or uh, in the Orient. And if somebody had a Lakers jersey on, or especially a number 24 or eight, the two numbers that Kobe wore as a Laker, uh, they were treated special. And it was because of uh, Kobe Bryant and his uh, great citizenship and the way that he treated himself and his friends. He did uh, stumble and have a problem uh, a few years ago in Colorado. The case was finally dropped, but uh, I think he dedicated himself at that time, not just to show everybody, but dedicated himself to Vanessa, his wife, and his uh, girls that uh, he was going to be a super father, and boy, did he uh, did he prove that right. He probably is as they get as a dad. We all love our kids, but uh, he, he was a great example of being a terrific family man. Chris, did you ever have any interaction with Kobe Bryant? A little bit with the Lakers. Uh, and I can only say that he is, uh, you know, a gentleman from word go. And, you know, I think the thing that is the most complimentary of him is all of his friends and teammates and anybody that he met, people would say, God, he's just an average, likable type guy. He's not a prima donna, not a superstar, and uh, he'll give you the time of day and look you in the eye and shake your hand. And they were always impressed with his personality and his warmth that he would show to other people, which I think is just admirable. Well, I know one organization that respects the living daylights out of Kobe Bryant. That's the Dallas Mavericks who retired the number 24. Mark Cuban made one of the classiest moves I've ever seen by being able to say no Maverick will ever wear that jersey. And I wouldn't be surprised to see what other tributes eventually start to come about as time progresses. I know we're still in the shock phase of this whole thing. And being here in Super Bowl country in South Florida, you can certainly hear the impact uh, during Super Bowl week. You know, that's another day for another animal. But I got a kudos to Mark Cuban and the Mavericks for retiring Kobe's number 24. Well, you know, it comes from the heart of Mark Cuban, owner of the Dallas Mavericks. And, of course, a lot of us know him from the Shark Tank, where he's uh, very popular. But I thought that was a terrific move. I think it's a move that might happen on some of the other ball clubs, uh, whether you're a basketball team or a football team or hockey. And 
if it does happen, you know, it comes from the, the heart of the organization, and uh, Mark Cuban's a great example of that. Now, you mentioned a little bit earlier, Chris, about the Lakers and the Clippers game being postponed. Not like they have to go any frequent fire miles to play the game anyways, because they're only right across, their locker rooms are right across the building, and I've actually been in that arena so, you know, I, I com- commend both organizations for doing it. But, you know, elaborate on what you feel um, that postponement will do. Do you think that, you know, unites both organizations? And let's not lose sight of the folk that everybody should know that Jerry West not only drafted Kobe Bryant, but he's also a member of the L.A. Clippers as well. Well, he's one of their super scouts now. Everywhere Jerry West has been, it started with uh, Dr. Jerry Buss with the Lakers and and moved on to the Memphis Grizzlies, and he was with uh, uh, the Warriors in Northern California. And the, the Clippers were just really glad to have Jerry West come on board, and I think it hit Jerry as hard as it hit anybody. There have been a couple of uh, video clips that I've seen of him talking. He actually called uh, Kobe Bryant uh, the Pied Piper of basketball because. Uh, there were just so many people that followed him. And it didn't matter if you were black, white, brown, uh, no matter what color you are, what race you were, what religion, he covered the bases on attracting people to uh, the NBA, and that's why he got tapped by, and I think rightfully so, by Jerry West as the Pied Piper of the NBA. People just loved him. Now, Chris, I've and heard... do. I've heard reports, and I talk about reports, okay, and I use that term loosely because until I can actually get the sources out there, this is the best I've got to work with, that the helicopter was going at around 180 miles per hour. Is that close to from what you've heard as well? Yeah, from the uh, NTSB. Uh, you know, I, I'm sure they have a lot of other uh, theories, but that was one of the things that they did put right out there. It was a high rate of speed, and they missed clearing a hill by 20 to 30 feet uh, in some pretty dense fog and clouds around the high terrain there in uh, Calabasas. But uh, that's what the NTSB has right now. They're going to have another release of some comments in about a week. They've recovered all the uh, individuals that were on the hill for overnight period and that's good news they're at the corners being uh, identified with fingerprints and DNA and uh, it's a thing where hello it is Ryan and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing they were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Also, they parted all of the wreckage 
off the hill and they transported it to a safe place where they'll probably reassemble it as best they can. We think it's in Arizona and then they'll have a little bit more of an idea of how everything occurred. There was no black box on this uh, Sikorsky helicopter that can actually seat about 13 to 14 people. There were nine on board this past Sunday. And uh, there also was no uh, warning sign that you're coming close to terrain like many airlines have. And uh, both of those suggestions were made by the NTSB about uh, 10 and 20 years ago, and they've been ignored by the FAA. And when the NTSB uh, National Transportation Board announced that the other day, you could kind of tell there was a little animosity that uh, maybe those recommendations should have been followed. I got to believe that they're going to happen in the future. All right, we got a few more minutes to go, so I want to make sure I get to these points, Chris. Now, was it true that Kobe Bryant was uh, cradling uh, his daughter when during the crash? Have you heard anything to that extent? I, I have not heard anything about that uh, whatsoever, but she's uh, in all the pictures that show them, whether they're at a Laker game or one of her youth games, they're very, very close. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt it, but I, I cannot speak to that uh, as a factual comment. No problem. And my final question to you, Chris. As I know, back in December 31st, 1972, the last air crash that I remember uh, that impacted the country like it did was when Roberto Clemente lost his life um, delivering on a humanitarian mission. Kobe Bryant was so big that do you feel that the Kobe Bryant tragedy rivals that of Roberto Clemente, knowing they're really, these guys were superstars that lost their lives way too early. Hey, listen, I love Roberto Clemente. He just collected his 3,000 hit. He knew he was headed to the Hall of Fame. Uh, but uh, it was a different era than Scott, and this era is filled with social media, right? awareness, alertness, it's almost like anything that happens, it hits Twitter or Facebook, Facebook, excuse me, and all of a sudden it's uh, everybody's got it on their uh, iPhone. So to say that one is bigger than the other, they both were tragic, especially for baseball losing Clemente and for the city of Pittsburgh. But uh, right now, I know Southern California is aching, and they're trying to get through this thing the best way they can. But uh, they're both powerful events that uh, you always just shake your head and go, wow, way too young, and we're going to miss these people. Yeah, one thing that just came to mind, Chris, is I remember the uh, tragedy involving the Marshall football team impacted as well. We won't get into that now, but when I talk about aviation issues, that one stands out in my mind. So I, I just thought I'd kind of bring that up. But Chris, we can't thank you very much for coming on the program today. I want to let everybody know once again that Chris Roberts, okay, is a veteran uh, UCLA broadcaster who actually covered basketball, football, and baseball and did it well and is currently the member of the Southern California Sports Broadcasters. And once again, it was a pleasure being out there. And Chris, I'm looking forward to having you and some of the other people I got to meet on the program. So, Chris, thanks again for your time. And once again, you know, uh, we'll be talking to you really soon. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Scott. Thanks for having me.
Thanks, Chris. Scott, my pleasure. You and Candy are more than welcome out west coast anytime thank you buddy thank you chris have a good night appreciate you thanks chris bye-bye all right candy let's talk about the tragedy for a moment okay kobe bryant would you say that there's too much overload going on i realize the impact nature for this particular crash and i had to experience some of this over during super bowl week it's just unfortunate that it almost seems like the Kobe overload is overshadowing a lot of the existing developments of a big sports week otherwise. I think, but I think, and right, rightfully so, it should. I mean, the Super Bowl goes on every year. A player, the magnitude of a Kobe Bryant, first of all, there aren't that many players in history that rival him. And to be taken away from us way too soon, um, I think it needs to be. I mean, it should overshadow the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl will still go on, and you know, it'll. I'm sure there'll be um, some remembrances on Sunday. You know, speaking of on to that behalf, but I think it should. Okay. But that's well, my personal opinion. Well, no, and that's okay. And you know what? Again, I'm not trying to discount the fact that it is a huge tragedy because it is. And our other co-host in the studio, Louis Adio Weiss, informed me of text message about Kobe Bryant's passing. And when I began, and sometimes you always like to hear events when they're actually brought up initially. And Louis was my first point of contact there. But yeah, it is. There's no doubt. That's why I brought the Roberto Clemente thing, and then as the marshal. But you never like to think that anything up in the air, like you know, it can all come to a halt very quickly. And I'm glad that we were able to address it tonight. And I know that throughout the course of the program tonight, there'll be other opinions on the matter as well. So you know, again, it's been a tough week. And you know, John Andretti passing Kobe Bryant. They say these things happen and twos and threes, well, it's unfortunate that both of these individuals lost their lives way too early. So I think it was it's almost impactful, kind of like the kids, the young kids up in Canada where their bus, the hockey team that lost right. their life, too. Right, good point, too. Candy. Yeah, um, that was definitely one that unquestionably... Uh, the most recent that yeah, I can think a, of. Uh, yeah, I know the one you're referring to, Rumboldt or... Uh, Something like Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I know the one that you're talking about. Again, young lives lost because of an unfortunate accident. And, you know, for that matter, you know, I don't want to get onto this subject, but when you see young lives lost here in the southern Florida area, one that stands out in my mind is the Marjorie, Stone, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas here in Parkland, Florida, impacted the community mm-hmm. and affected a football coach, Aaron Aaron Feist. So, but, you know, I don't want to get too far, Kobe Bryant, but I understand when you're dealing with young lives, Mm -hmm. there's no question in my mind that you hate to go ahead and see them end way before their time is up. And, you know, again, the impact is so tragic that, you know, we're going to hear about it for a while. We know that the NBA is still grasping this particular story, and I know there'll be lots of things, you know, uh, some guys are changing their numbers, and I know the All-Star game probably figures they have a few wrinkles that'll be for another day but there's no question that it's a story i'd rather not talk about the super bowl is something we're going to address so with that said lewis adio why don't you come on over here and give me your take on the kobe bryant thing before we bring on our next guest okay lewis and you heard it and what were your initial reactions about uh the tragedy itself so and it's kind of going to be hard for me because 
growing up and just want to give a brief background you know my mornings as a kid weren't like you know most other children i didn't watch cartoons really growing up you know my mornings were spent with sports center and with that it was you know highlights of football basketball baseball and one athlete that i always saw was kobe bryant and right it was every morning you know getting ready for school all the way through high school just watching sports center you know whether it was him winning the mvp or seeing all those championship parades in la or the famous picture of him sitting in his locker i'll make a comparison real quick kobe bryant's professionalism and drive what hurt me because we just had Derek jeter inducted into the national baseball hall of fame Kobe Bryant was basketball's version of Derek Jeter. He was a true professional who personified what it means to be a great athlete and what it takes. And honestly, you know, I was on my Instagram and I, you know, going through stories of, you know, friends that I've had for years. And I see one, just a picture of Kobe Bryant with an, with a rest in peace, you know, a brief. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Aviation there, and I'm like, you know, what is this? And the next thing I know, I go on, you know, Google, do a search, and New York Times is saying he's died in a, in a crash. Twitter really hadn't gotten to it yet. But when, you know, it came through as somebody who's not, admittedly, I'm not the biggest basketball fan, but I have an appreciation for the sport because it has history that, you know, kind of transcends time. I was crushed. And, you know, to learn later that, you know, his daughter Gianna, you know, was tragically taken as well as that of seven other people you know i think it's something that it's gonna stick for a while and the last point i'll make really before we get to our next guest is while when jose fernandez died in 2016 that was a tragedy that was felt really in baseball circles and it hurt and a lot of teams honored him but to see kobe bryant an athlete who transcended his respective sport to see tributes all the way from golf to the NBA. Again, it's sad, but we'll talk more about that later as we go on in our show. All right, we welcome our next guest of the Sports Exchange, former Los Angeles Rams running back, Mel Fard. And Mel, thanks for being on the Sports Exchange. It's a very somber show, but we're going to talk about Super Bowl first. How's that sound? Sounds good. Okay, well, first of all, okay, uh, what are your thoughts about the uh, Super Bowl right now? What do you expect come Sunday? I think it's going to be an exciting game. I think it's going to be what uh, the fans are looking for, a little bit different than last year, where it was a defensive battle. A lot of fans didn't appreciate that. Me, being a football player, I kind of did appreciate that uh, because I thought it was a lot of good football play, a lot of good hard hitting. But I think there's going to be a lot of action in this game here. There's going to be some ebbs and flows, and I think there's going to be a lot of scoring. I think the fans will probably appreciate that. Now, were you telling me, I want to make sure the listeners under understand this, don't underestimate the, uh, why, you don't understand why the Kansas City Chiefs are favored? Yeah, I think the line just moved up to two now. And, and the reason why I say that is, although I, I, I would love to see Andy Reid win one, I'm not sure if defensively they can hold up. I mean, you're probably only going to get 
they'll probably get, you know, if they're lucky, somewhere at eight to ten possessions, if they're lucky. Now, if they're able to get eight to ten possessions, they have a really good chance of winning this game. But if if San Francisco is able to shorten the game and then play with a lead, I think it'll be very difficult. Uh, it'll be a lot harder on the Chiefs than it would be if vice versa. Now, the last two games, they started off real slow. Uh, that would not that would not benefit them with San Francisco because I know that Cal has learned from his previous experience in the Super Bowl in having a lead, and I'm sure that they would he, he would shorten the game. Uh, they wouldn't have those three and outs and stuff like that to give Kansas City more opportunities, give them more possessions. But I think if Kansas City is able to get out to a lead, I think that San Francisco will be in trouble. My only concern is I don't know if. Kansas City can deal with San Francisco's offense. That's my only concern. Okay, Lewis, you have a question. Yeah, Mel, I think, honestly, you see great offenses, you know, kind of thrive on running a very balanced attack. We saw Kansas, we saw Kansas City obviously do that last few years, and Tennessee did it for most of the playoffs before they ran into the Chiefs. But wouldn't you argue that the person, the team that, the team who get, you know, establishes the run game early is the one that I think is the early favorite to win this game. Yeah, I mean, whoever can dominate the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. I mean, the game is won on the line of scrimmage. Whoever can win the line of scrimmage is a team that's going to win the game. So if San Francisco is able to dominate the line of scrimmage on the offensive side of the ball, that sets them up for what they'd like to do, which is play with a lead. And, and you know, those, those first-rounders that they have on the defensive line, they can pin their ears back and rush the passer. Uh, but vice vice versa, conversely, rather, if I believe that the Chiefs are able to do the get up by a couple touchdowns, you know their running game is not as is is not as good as San Francisco's, but they don't turn the ball over. They take care of the ball, and when they possess the ball, they get points. And the key is when they possess the ball, they have to get points, and it needs to be touchdowns and that field goals. In the last two weeks, that's what they've been able to do. They've been able to possess. The the ball and get points. Now, when you have an empty possession, that hurts, especially in a game like this here where the possessions are going to be somewhat condensed and every possession matters. That's what they have to understand. Every possession matters. You can't have any wasted possessions. You can't have three and outs. Three and outs hurt, especially when you're paying a team against San Francisco that can run the ball the way that they run it. That means that the clock is continuing to run, and that means the game is going to be shorter. That means you're not going to get as many opportunities. You're not going to have as many possessions. But if you if you take Jimmy if you take them out of that game plan, make Jimmy Garoppolo drop back, have to drop back and pass, he's gonna turn the ball over once or twice. And that's gonna give you some more possessions and an opportunity to score and to to widen that lead that you've established in the first half or the first quarter. So Mel, you view this as a pick 'em game, don't you? Yeah, I mean I would look at it as a picking game to be honest with you. And and only like I said, because I, I just don't know, you know, San Francisco's a, a very good football team. And I just don't know. I, I know that uh, you know, the Kansas City played against Tennessee very well. Um, Henry did get off a little bit in the first quarter, but they were able to shut him down later on. This isn't Tennessee. And Garoppolo is not, um, I can't think of the quarterback's name, he's not that guy either. He's not Ryan so, Tannehill. Right. Correct. So, and, and they, and Kansas City does a much better, I'm excuse me, San Francisco does a much better 
job of mixing things up than what Tennessee does. They have the ability to do it. Now, they haven't done it lately because they haven't had to. Right. When they played Green Bay, they didn't have to. But they have the ability to do that. And Kyle Shanahan, you know, he's he, he's a you know he's a great offensive coordinator. There's going to be a lot of smoke and mirrors. There's going to be a lot of things going on in the backfield trying to figure out what the defense is doing pre-snap so that he can get the right players in the right position to make the plays. But, like I said, if Kansas City gets out early because you, they can't, nobody can deal with those wide receivers. they got a whole lot of speed at wide receivers. And Kansas City's a big play team. They're not one of those teams that's going to you know, have 10, 12, 15-yard drives. They're a big play, big opportunity team. It's going to be a big play, so it's going to be a quick strike. And the thing that you know bothers me about Kansas City is you know, they're not committed to the run game. I know Andy Reid, they always say he likes to run. They run the pass. Right. They, they, they're a throwing football team, and they're not very committed to the run game. And that is worrisome because when you do get a lead, you do need to be able to run the football. And then you need to be able to switch it up a little bit too. I mean, you got you got to keep the defense honest, and that's what San Francisco is going to be able to do, especially in that play action game that they're running the ball real well the way they've run it the last couple of weeks. Now, some of the observations I have going into the game, and you kind of touched on it. Now I want to elaborate. This is a game that could really be a high scoring game where the offenses definitely take over, and and you take into consideration that Kansas City's defense isn't that good, albeit they've added Steve Spagnuolo as the offense, defensive coordinator, Terrell Suggs and uh, the Honey Badger. But still, you know, we could be seeing some fireworks, you know, and of course you, you mentioned that Kyle Shanahan has learned his lessons from the his previous experience with the Atlanta Falcons. So what type of uh, score do you think that this game could wind up becoming? I mean, it could be high 30s, low 40s, to be honest with you. Yeah. If nobody's able to stop anybody. And I'm not real, I'm not all that impressed with San Francisco defense. I mean, their they're, uh, front line is formidable. But as far as the secondary, they can't keep up with, with, with Kansas City's wide receivers. The big thing is that, are, are they going to be able to get to Mahomes? You know, if they're able to, if Kansas City is able to protect Mahomes and he gets extra time back there in the in the backfield, I don't care who they have back there in the uh, in the secondary, they're not going to be able to keep with those, keep up with those wide receivers. I mean, you can't give Pat Mahomes, you can't give him four, five, six seconds to throw the football because those guys are going to eventually get open. True. All right, we, we, we might as well talk about another subject, which is certainly getting a fair amount of attention, at least on tonight's program. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And I, I agree with you when we spoke earlier. Me, personally, I think the Kobe Bryant tragic 
tragedy is a bit overloaded, but yet it's a new story that we have to talk about. So what are, you, what are your uh, thoughts about what took place with Kobe Bryant? I mean, obviously it's tragic. Uh, it's unexpected. And, you know, I look at it from a different standpoint. You know, I know, I know when my dad passed away four years ago, uh, my my Facebook notifications, friend request. I was getting ten friend requests a minute for four for 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 forty eight hours. Then it slowed down to like, I don't know. I might get five per minute for the next you know forty eight hours. And my 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 perspective at that particular time it was very difficult for me to see anything related to my dad at that particular. And everybody grieves differently. And so I'm thinking of it really from a family standpoint of you know, there's more, obviously there's more people that are affected than just Kobe Bryant. There's a, there was eight other, eight other souls that were lost as well. But from the family perspective, you know, I don't know how that helps them in the, in their healing process right. by constantly seeing him all the time. I don't, and not to say that their TV's on, but it, you know, I don't know how that helps them. I think a lot of the stuff that's going on is really for the people who are left behind. You, know, you ask a guy, you know, how did you feel when Kobe Bryant passed away? Well, I mean, well, how do you think he felt? I mean, the guy, you know, the people are devastated. His close friends are devastated. I think the news media is just real callous when it comes to that. I, I don't think they're, in my opinion, I mean, yeah, he, he was a great man, but I mean, there was also, like I said, there was eight other people that perished as well right that had families and they were important to those individuals uh, they may not have been on the on the level of kobe bryant but that doesn't you know, they're not really showing any respect to to those to those individuals so i think the news media is very self-serving and very selfish and very insensitive in dealing with this particular subject yeah it's a tragedy but at the end of the day you know before it was predestined that that day was Kobe's day in all of their days. And we're all going to, we're all going to experience that same fate. You know, when the doctor, when the doctor pulls you out the womb and smacks you in the booty and you cry and you draw your first breath, that's you signing the contract, realizing that someday you're going to draw your last breath. Right. You may get one breath or you may get millions of breaths in between, but at some point in day, we're all going to meet that fate. And it's all predestined. It's all predetermined. That was, unfortunately, that was Kobe's day. Now, you know, for the family, they've got to adjust to this new normal, and that's that's the only thing that I don't like about the continuous coverage of of his of his passing. Just from my personal experience in dealing with, you know, when my dad passed away, you know, they want to do phone the next day. I mean, they're wanting to do phone interviews and all that kind of stuff from Detroit, right? And you know, the first thing I want to ask you, well, you know, how did you feel? I mean. I'm human just like everybody else. Right. I feel the same way that anybody else would feel when they lose a loved one. It's going to be devastating. Right. And really, at that point in time, you really don't know how it feels because you're still trying to really process it. Right. What, how your life is going to be. Because at that point in time, your life is totally different from whatever, from how you've known it in the past. So I just feel the, I just feel the news media is just real insensitive when it comes to coverage on, on this particular on the, this particular situation, so yeah, I mean, I just kind of get, I guess, this kind of gets overwhelming. And if somebody was on the ledge and feeling, you know, feeling a little bit suicidal, this is right, this pushing right over the ledge. Two, all right, two points I want to bring up. Two points I want to bring up. Number one, and we don't have a lot of time, but I want to make sure I get them out there. 
all the reports I'm hearing is a lot of this is due to negligence, uh, pilot error, and some of the reports I'm hearing now that the uh, helicopter was going about 180 miles an hour. We all both know about the questionable weather. So, you know, to me, Southern California is known for smoggy conditions. And then when you talk about pilot error factoring in, it validates that you're saying that that was definitely going to be Kobe's last day take in his last breath, along with the other uh, folks that passed away. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't understand. I mean, it's like we talked about. I mean, if it's raining on the highway, you're not going 80 because you can't see. Right. Slow down. So why is he going 160 miles an hour in the fog? Right. In that type of condition, those type that type of terrain, I don't care if he was just following the five freeway. Right. If you can't see what's in front of you, why are you going that fast? And these helicopters, they can go like, you know, they can hover. You know, you can, you can coast along at 5, 10, 15 miles an hour. So, I mean, I, I don't understand that at all. So, I mean, yeah, it, it definitely sounds like this is something that really did not have to happen. And I guess that's what makes it so tragic and so sad. But I think on top of Kobe passing, you know, just think about those kids, you know. Right. You know, his daughter and, and, the, and the two other kids on there. That That's what makes it, you know. And then obviously, you know, you have all all, all other kind of questions that go through your head. And, and I think the news media is just real nosy. Uh, about certain things, you know, they they want a lot of information that's really none of their business. Um, you know, these people are hurt. I mean, these people's lives are are changed forever, and all they can think about is is a news story. Just like when they reported that, you know, that Rick Fox Rick Fox was on the plane. And I see the one guy got suspended from ABC, which I'm glad because when I was talking to my mother, and I said, "Mom, it says all all four of his daughters were on the helicopter with him." Then I'm trying to get confirmation as to whether or not all four of his daughters were on there. Right, right. So in the in the haste to be first, they're reporting, you know, news that's not correct, fake news. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my heart dropped when I heard that. Man, all four of his kids were on there. Like, right. Oh, well, let me just say this. So then I'm trying to do the math and all that. I mean, I'm doing the math. They said there was nine people on there. Well, first they said there was five people on there, so I'm doing the math. Right. I said, no, that math ain't going to work. You know, four kids, pilot, Kobe, that's more than five already right there. Right. You know? So, I'm, you know, the math wasn't working out. Well, let me mention this real quickly, and then I'm going to ask you for a Super Bowl prediction. We've got about two minutes to get all this done. Many years ago during the Ronald Reagan assassination attempt, Frank Reynolds ripped everybody uh, – and his own organization for getting it wrong. He says, I don't care about getting it first. I want to get it right. And I gained an enormous amount of respect for Frank Reynolds. Secondly, we'll close it out on this. I need your Super Bowl prediction, Mel. Score. Winner. To be honest with you, I'm going to be honest. I'm I'm pulling for Kansas City because I like Andy Reid. I'd like to see him um, win one. You know, he went to four straight NFC championship games, broke through and won and went through a Super Bowl one year. Didn't win it, though. Uh, I'm pulling for Kansas City, so I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a stick with Kansas City, and I don't see it as being close as the as the odds makers. Now I'm not an odds maker, but I, I got it. I, I think that Kansas City's going to hang 42 on them, so I, I look at it to being about 42 to 27. And by the way, Mel, I was at that game in Jacksonville when Andy Reid lost to the New England Patriots, so. We'll put a ribbon on that prediction, and uh, when we bring it back again, we'll find out if, indeed, Kansas City is uh, drinking the bubbly. So, Mel, thank you very much for being on the Sports Exchange tonight. Glad to have you with us, and we look forward to your next uh, uh, appearance on the program. Thank you, Mel. Thank you, guys. Take care. Yep, Take have a good care, night. Mel. Thank you. Bye.
some thoughts about what Mel had to say. I mean, I'd kind of love to see a high-scoring Super Bowl. We saw it with, you know, New England and Philadelphia two years ago, but that Super Bowl was trash the way that the next year's one was against, you know, New England and the Rams because of how slow-scoring that game was. It's like you're either going to play defense or you're not. But I think you just have two really balanced teams going at it here to where, you know what, like if this is a 27-30 to 30 game and one of the, and you know, teams winning at that score by three, that's going to be one of the more interesting Super Bowls in recent memory. I'm pulling for Kansas City too because I think Andy Reid is kind of like, you know, one of those coaches where he's just a Super Bowl win away from punching his ticket to Canton. Well, well I think he's already in Canton. But boy, this would certainly help. Our next... All right, well, our next guest is the Chief Executive Officer of the Charlotte Bats, and we welcome Rick Curdy back to the Sports Exchange. Thanks for being on, Rick. Hey, guys, how are you? I'm doing fine, thanks. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Well, I guess you have a different perspective of what uh, the Super Bowl is compared to all the other people that we think are normal or not normal. So why don't you go ahead, and you call it a bowl game, but not the Super Bowl, right? Yeah, I call it the overrated bowl because that's what it is. It's probably the most overrated championship game in all of sports, in all of baseball, basketball, etc. It's just, it's so overrated, you know, and all people want to see are commercials or the halftime show. And then you got people who don't watch football and they want to see who's in it or who's this person or who's that person. Like my mom, she's all excited to see Jimmy Garoppolo because she thinks he looks like George Clooney. <laughs> well, so, so I guess in, yeah. in your own words you think nobody really cares do you no I don't think anybody cares uh, they just want to see the commercials or see Jennifer Lopez or Shakira at the halftime show and you know you try to explain to somebody who don't watch it and they're like well I like that team because I like their uniforms or I like their name and it's like oh brother so I call it the overrated bowl because it's so overrated but it makes so much money and all these commercials I think they pay like two million dollars to air a commercial for like 30 seconds and that's all people want to talk about are the commercials and I just think the, the game's going to be lame um, and um, I really care less about any of the teams to be quite honest with you no I'd rather you lie to me but that's okay be honest with me anyways <laughs> so I mean for whatever it's worth okay do you even want to bother to come up with a prediction at all yeah, I have the 49ers winning because, to me, defense always beats offense. Mm-hmm. We saw when the Peyton Manning had that fantastic year, what happened to them in the Super Bowl? They were terrible because they went up against a great defense in the Seahawks. And then even with the Panthers in the Super Bowl, they had the number one offense. They went up against the number one defense. We all saw what happened. The Broncos dominated and won the Super Bowl. Uh, 49ers have a great defense. The Chiefs have a sensational offense with Patrick Mahomes, but I always believe that defense always beats offense, so I have the 49ers winning. Okay. Lewis, you have any questions for Rick? No, I kind of agree with you on everything that you said. I mean, I, every year I love watching the Super Bowl because as somebody who me and Scott are in the media and you as well, we I think the two of us would agree that we like seeing narratives play out and to see what it means f- you know, the conversation that will ensue after if, say, Patrick Mahomes is second full year as a starter, 
wins a Super Bowl. You know, Russell Wilson did that. So, you know, those comparisons will begin to sprout up. I kind of like to see that. Do I agree with you about the halftime show? Absolutely. I think, you know, if you really want to talk about the ins and outs of the Super Bowl, they've gotten it wrong for the past decade with their halftime shows. And I think this year is another example of them doing that. That's going to be a snooze fest. So I'm more concerned with the game than I am anything else. I don't care about Jennifer Lopez performing for all I know and for all I care. She just makes vapid, overproduced pop music anyway. And that's what the Super Bowl does because they know it sells. And you know what? You can make an argument, and you kind of outlined it yourself, that pro sports and even even you and me were talking pre-production. The NBA, one reason you probably don't like it anymore is because it's all about ratings and it's all about just making money. And there's nothing wrong with capitalism in sports. I think it's a perfect realm for it to exist. But it gets in the way of, you know, what had us fall in love with the games in the first place. And I think, you know, from where we've come from Super Bowl One, when you have a guy like Vince Lombardi, you know, just playing to kind of see, you know you know, exert your superiority over another team to now, like, we're more concerned about what Bud Light commercial is going to be on and how good the right. Doritos commercial is going to be. It, we've deviated from the norm so much that I kind of wish we would just get back to friggin' football. No, but here's the thing. That's where I got to tell you, Lewis, okay, for me, my problem with the NBA is that ratings are making money. That's where you got it all wrong, man. My problem is all the drama. Mm-hmm. Okay, I've said this time and time again. I'll say it again, and Rick will be my first... Uh, um, source of contact because we've been doing this a lot longer together. I have no problem with a, a sport trying to get ratings or making money. After all, that's how you go ahead and pay these astronomical salaries for these overpaid yeah. players, okay, that believe in load management, injury management, whatever the heck you want to call it. It's a drama I'm sick and tired of, okay? Rick, you want to rant with me? Okay, I'm sick and tired of all the cotton-picking drama that this league has. That's where my issue is. You know, every sport should have ratings and make money, okay? Nobody's in there, okay, to be in the red. Case in point, then you weren't born then again when when the league was on tape delay. I know Rick Curdy understands it, right? Magic Johnson and Larry Bird saved this league from going belly up. And then Michael Jordan and Isaiah Thomas came along to compliment the old stars that you had with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and that you had with Julius Irving to rescue this downtrodden league. That's where I've got a problem. Drama, guys, play the cotton-picking game. That's where my issues are. Now, getting back on point to the Super Bowl. First of all, Rick, where are you going to watch the game? Um, Probably not. I haven't watched <laughs> a Super Bowl in the last three years. Oh, the man. last years was so, ter- was so terrible. And well, that was. was. Such a and I hate to say that I think, that, I think this one's going to be a terrible game, too. I just, I just don't think it's going to be all, all that good. And I agree with all the drama with the NFL and Roger Goodell and his asinine rules about having your socks too high or wearing a headband where you're praising Jesus and they find you for all this stuff. And it, you're right about the NFL. It's so much drama. The Super Bowl's even more drama with all the halftime and and all the smoke and all the mirrors. And it's just going to be a garbage game, in my opinion. Well, the NFL is drama, but I like to pick on the NBA having a lot of drama, too, man. I mean, a lot of these sports like that are, you know, I got to say this, though, before you interject. One of my favorite things, and I don't like end zone celebrations, 
But I got to give Terrell Owens his due is when he pulled out the Sharpie in his pocket. And Joe Horn went ahead and pulled out the uh, uh, flip phone. So those are okay. If they're creative, uh, if they're creative, that's one thing. I had the opportunity, that uh, uh, was two days ago, to have a photo taken with Barry Sanders of the Detroit Lions yeah. when, I was, when I went ahead. You, I know you both saw it on my Facebook page. But Barry's the most even-keeled Pers- uh, legend that I've ever seen where he handed the ball to the official and went back and scored another one and that's what you want to see unfortunately with all the drama surrounding a lot of sports I, I got to admit though the, uh, the two sports I don't see as much drama are hockey and baseball I don't I mean I don't care about the scandals that's another story no, yeah. but I'm talking yeah. about drama I baseball and hockey have a lot less of it compared to the NFL and the NBA and you know what? That, to my drama, is a big, huge turnoff. Now, having covered four of these Super Bowls myself, I enjoy going to the Super Bowl. I don't mind watching it. I'll be watching it at a friend's house that day. Although Candy and I have another event come Saturday uh, called, I think it was Taste of the NFL in Hollywood, Florida, which I'm really looking forward to seeing and meeting a lot of people. For me, when I've covered Super Bowls, it's really all been about more networking than anything else. Because you never know how you could progress and grow the brand and make some new friends. But, you know, I've seen some pretty good inspiring hats time shows. The first one I ever saw, you know, I, I've had uh, the national anthems, I think, are neat, too. And I had Cher one year, and I could go on and on and on. So I think one of the things I do like about the Super Bowl are some of the national anthem singers, for sure. Because they certainly go out of their way to try to go ahead and bring on some good artists. Yeah, I mean, I again, I'm just uh, one thing. If you were if we're talking about things about the Super Bowl that irk us, because Rick kind of set us up for that, I'm sick and tired. And this is, you know, this is on the networks, and they're just trying to like show, you know, the one percent, the very rich people. I'm so sick and tired of, you know, cameras zooming into celebrities who are there watching the game. I don't care that they paid $10,000 to watch the game. I'm there to watch. I'm not there to see Alex Rodriguez sitting in the booth watching his fiance. Right, I'm with you there, man. I don't care about that. <laughs> yeah, I want to watch the two best teams in their respective leagues go off, go against each other. And you're going to see that, but there's just going to be so much crap in between that it's just like, am I watching a football game? or? Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Am I watching an ad for, you know, like Budweiser? It's. <laughs> It's infuriating. Well, hey, now don't insult the Clydesdales. They're pretty good. I'm not making. I'm not getting on them. I'm just saying. I know. I'm just saying. Don't yeah. insult the Clydesdales. They're the, uh, you know who know many who knows how many whoppers that these guys courses eat. 
Hey, I'm not, and I will admit, I am one who watches Super Bowl commercial compilations. But again, I don't go for the commercials. I, know, I'm just, I go. I'm just kidding we're, with you, we're, man. We're sports, you know. We're we're you know sports fans first, and we're media people as well. Although you know, once you get into this industry, the fan title kind of gets stripped from you the way you know an NCAA title would from a team who cheats. But at the same time, again, can we just please just get back to what we're here to watch we're not here to watch i don't know steven tyler sitting in a suite before aerosmith plays a halftime show we're here to watch the best teams play each other and that's really all i want to see i don't care about the commercials as much as i do just watching the friggin' sport the sport is why we're here in the first place tell me how you really feel lewis there you go i laid it out for you <laughs> yeah tell me how you really feel laid it out for you i don't really yeah i know i'm sure you do that's what uh I mean, you know, listen, you know, I don't know what the Clydesdales really eat, but if they want to go ahead and eat a bunch of Whoppers by Burger King, you could become a Clydesdale a whole lot faster. Yeah, you know what it is. I mean, yeah, but, you know, I, I, I got to tell you one thing, though, from a media perspective, which I did enjoy about the longer halftime shows. Again, it's a difference if you're watching it at home and you're working the game. Uh, you know, when you're at the game and you're talking to your colleagues, I enjoyed the longer halftime shows so I can catch my breath and try to get insights on the game. So it's a different animal. You guys will never know that. But, you know, from my standpoint, it's a totally different animal. It really, really is. So, mm-hmm. But, you know, I can appreciate that. You know, and, you know, again, the commercials, they pay a boatload of money for them without a doubt. And you're right. A lot of them are stink. They are corny. But that's exactly how you charge a mega dollars for a lot of these things. It's the most creative day on the planet when it comes to watching them. But whether I'm <laughs> over yeah. around a bunch of people or not, you know, to me, I really don't frankly care. If there's anything good about smartphones nowadays, people can get distracted, go on to smartphones, and look at other stuff instead of always paying attention to commercials. So any other perspectives there, Rick, about uh, what you really think of the game? Uh, I'm just tired of these bandwagon fans that come out of nowhere. I've seen so many people wearing these Kansas City cheese hats and 49ers hats, and I've known people for like 10 years, and they're, now all of a sudden they're a cheese fan, and they'll say, well, my mom's from Kansas City, or um, I, I've been to Kansas City, and it's just all these bandwagon fans that come out of nowhere, and, and it's like, really? And they don't even know who Marty Schonheimer is. They don't know who Christian McCoy is. They don't know who Priest Holmes is. I'm like, I'm a bigger Kansas City Chiefs fan than you are. And I don't even like the Kansas City Chiefs. So <laughs> I get tired of seeing all that. And like I said, all the bells and whistles and, and A-Ron and Jennifer Lopez, who I cannot stand. I don't know how their big, massive egos can fit in that stadium when they're together. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. But the halftime show is going to stink. It's going to have Shakira as well. I could care less about her. So... Yeah, it's, I'm, I'm not very excited about the Super Bowl. Well, you know, I mean, that's okay. And if the game falls into play like you had last year at 10-3, to 3, then all of a sudden what you just said makes you look a whole lot better, doesn't it? Although I have a feeling this one's going to have a lot more offense than last year's 10-3 to 3, uh, uh, single-digit win by the New England Patriots over the Los Angeles Rams. So, yeah, that was terrible. Yeah, that wasn't one of the better acts, that's for sure. No, I mean, if you really want to contextualize that, that's like a Super Bowl that Terry Bradshaw won in the 70s when he's throwing the ball 14 times and it's like a 14-7 to game. Like, those low-scoring games are great to an extent, but, that you know, at the end of the day, we it's we had 
pretty Jekyll and Hyde Super Bowls. We saw that game with the Eagles the year before was like 53 to 48. And then you have 13 to 6. It's like I'm watching a baseball game one year and then I'm watching a college basketball game the next. It's like, what am I getting? Well, I guess the one thing that you mentioned that, and Rick, we got a few more minutes to go, so I'd like to get your opinion on this as well. Okay, okay. and I talked about this with Bill Winters before, and now I'm going to bring it to you guys' attention. You know, you have a two-week layoff versus a one-week layoff. Do you think that the two-week layoff makes it a more competitive game, or do you think you're better off with a one-week layoff? I think one week because they're, they're going to be rusty. Usually that's what you see in the Super Bowl. Right, you see, right. Like you'll see the first couple of plays where they're overthrowing the ball or they're fumbling it right. or they miss the tackle, and it's like, man, they were, they're rusty, especially when you have that momentum where you play every Saturday or the playoffs, you play on a Saturday or a Sunday and you have that momentum going and all of a sudden it stops and then you go out there in two weeks and you're in the biggest championship where millions and millions of people are watching you and you're just rusty and some might get stage fright. And uh, so, I, so I, I like a one week because two weeks, it just it, it's not good. It's just they look very rusty. Yeah, yeah, and you know, some of the scores through history would probably indicate what you're saying is definitely true. Lewis, what about you on that one? I think, well, I, and I just watched the Aaron Hernandez documentary, and I know it may seem unrelated, but, you know, constantly, like, playing every week and, you know, going up against guys rubbing shoulder pads and helmets, I think it takes a toll on the brain, and the health, discussion of health is another thing, you know, that we can stretch out like silly putty later, but I think these guys need a little bit of a break. However, can we please... Just can we just make the Pro Bowl an accolade in which it's not a game that you have to play in? Because if you want to talk about things that are ridiculous, the Pro Bowl is one of them. I think, along with the NBA All Star Game, although it should be a little bit more interesting for um, emotional reasons this year, the Pro Bowl is one of the worst exhibitions of like All Star talent in sports. Not that it's the talent on the field that's bad; it's just the execution of well, it. Well, there was a time they were actually considering getting rid of it, but then the players talked the commissioner into doing it. But yeah. I, you know, I've actually been to a Pro Bowl, and when when the uh, Pro Bowl was here in Miami, and I and I had the Super Bowl the following, so at least I was able to get it off my bucket list. Anyway, mm-hmm. it's just not entertaining, though. I mean, well, I agree. I you know, like if I'd like to hear a quarterback like Lamar Jackson, who looked pretty good in the Pro Bowl last week, say, "I'm just there to work on things." And yet, you know, the rules are a little bit different, but at the same time, it's just boring to watch. I don't understand how they get ratings with those games. Honestly, I I just think they're a perpetual snooze. Well, I think. It's more like flag football. <laughs> Pretty much. Well, it is. Pretty I much. Mean, that's I mean, everybody observation. Yeah. It's called playing panty cake, panty cake, or baker's man. A game I used to play in middle school called capture the flag where nobody's oh, falling down. <laughs> you just pull it. Yeah, you know capture I mean? the flag. Yeah, it's been a while since I've heard that one. But yeah, or in that case, capture the flag or flag football. Either way. But yeah, I agree with you. The Pro Bowl is definitely not one. Uh, but, you know, I guess they use it as a uh, gap to keep football active. I guess if there's one thing I do like about the Pro Bowl, it's between the Super Bowl. Uh, it's before the Super Bowl instead of afterwards. Mm-hmm. So at least in that sense, you do keep the uh, football going. Anyways, go ahead. Now, I want to ask you guys this because this is a weird rule that the NFL has, but I'm interested in what your perspectives are on it. Tom Brady was a Pro Bowler last year, and I believe they have a rule in place where if you play in the Pro Bowl, you're ineligible to play in the Super Bowl. Well, it is. Yeah, of course. What is your stance on that? I like it. I do. I I really do. I think that's an excellent rule. And the reason why is, you know what, you know, these guys have had enough football anyway. So, and, you know, there's a hangover from the Super Bowl 
And that that rule actually is simultaneous. Well, first of all, you can't get the Super Bowl guys before because they're preparing for a Absolute, game. Absolutely, yeah. That's item number one. And second, if you have them after the Super Bowl, they're going to probably want to cancel. So, no, I think that's one of the few rules that's actually a really good rule. Rick? Credit, yeah, what about you, Rick? Not that you care about either of them, but... <laughs> Yeah, 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 the Pro Bowl is garbage. It's 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 so bad. It's like uh, I mean, it's, it's a free vacation for them. They're just well, that's true. They don't even like. There's a one Pro Bowl game where they tackle each other because they want to hurt one of hurt hurt uh, hurt them. So I mean, it's it should just get rid of it. Say hey, congratulations, you're in a Pro Bowl. Well, they should, but with all due respect, Rick, how would you like a free vacation to Hawaii, even though they don't get the crowds there, and that's why they brought it to Orlando so the fans could get to it. But uh, players had to like the free vacation to Hawaii. But Orlando's done a good job hosting the game, so. Yeah, I agree. I, I like Orlando and Hawaii. I mean, Hawaii's fun. I mean, that's a great place, and it sounds exciting, but it's it's terrible. And I, I like the rule, too. I actually like it when they had a pro bowl after. Uh, I don't like it dirt before the Super Bowl. I like it after the Super Bowl. Oh, do you really? Uh, so, oh, yeah, I, I do, but I never watched the Pro Bowl, so I can care less. They can cancel the whole thing and do whatever they want. So, I, I mean, it's just, to me, it's just, it's terrible, and it's boring, and it's dumb, and it's silly. It's like a... Uh, like when I used to go to Dodger Stadium and they would have like uh, the celebrity uh, actors play baseball and all that stuff. It's kind of like that. It's just like nobody takes it seriously. It's just fun. It's like who cares? Um, uh, MLB also is getting kind of like that too where when I used to watch it, it was always American versus national. You always wanted to represent your your league and, right. and your team and now, now it's become a free vacation and it's all fun and you know, and that's what I don't like about the All Star Games. It's just, it's just like guys playing with each other, kind of like if I was playing basketball with my friends in the backyard. And you know, it's just, it's just something for people who really don't watch sports. It's, it's become more like the Academy Awards to me. All right. Well, let me talk about All Star Games while I have a moment. Okay. Of all the All Star Games that I like, okay, I got to tell you though, Rick. Baseball is easily at the top of my list. The second one, I put the NHL because they're skill competition. And I would probably, I hate to say this, but go with the Pro Bowl because they're starting to play with a little bit more energy because the threat was there to get rid of it. And the NBA, they simply don't play defense. And if I want to watch the Harlem Globetrotters, I'll watch the Harlem Globetrotters, not watch these <laughs> yeah. cotton-picking clowns. But that's what that's how I would put uh, the All Star Game. I, but I love the Major League Baseball All Star Game. Had a chance to cover one when it was down here in Miami a couple of years ago. Yeah. And I think it's not only the All Star Game, but what they've done around it with the home run hitting contest and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And then hockey, you develop an appreciation for the skills competition more, especially with some of these guys when they've gone ahead and shown their skills during the game. And hockey's done a good job going ahead and changing the format so much. Where you know one minute North America against the world, now they've broken up divisions until they try to find the right combination. And hockey's done a you know, and they've experimented different ways. But you know, but I again, once again, folks out there listening here on the South Florida Tribune Broadcasting Network, and just so you folks know that this broadcast can be heard on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcasts, just to name a few. So, uh, but that's where we can be heard. Uh, I, I'm definitely on board with baseball, uh, hockey, football, and then, of course, the NBA, which uh, the word defense exists. Nah. No. 
and in, in, in yeah. the eyes of Rick Curdy, you're right. They stink. And, you ready to be on a slam dunk contest? It's a joke. Now. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know what. But I got to tell you, though, I like the home run hitting contest more than the slam dunk and contest. They, and the way that they've oh, yeah. changed that around to where there's a time limit now, it well, gets that's a little bit more fast. Yeah, but then again, let's not get him started with all the baseball stuff. Otherwise, uh, Rick Curdy will eat you alive. But that'll be for another <laughs> baseball show. No, but I'll say this, Rick. You mentioned the celebrity softball games at Dodger Stadium and MLB. And if you want to talk about more real quick about things that are unnecessary, why doesn't make Major League Baseball cancel their celebrity softball game after the All Star or after the Home Run Derby. Why don't you take that money that you're giving those celebrities to appear there, or what you're doing to set that up? Why don't you invest that in some schools in the community across the country? Why don't you do something good with that money? I don't need to see Jamie Foxx hitting a single on a 200 foot field and running to first base like he's never played a sport before. I'm really, I'm really not a big fan of those celebrity softball games. I think they're super gimmicky. I, I understand Jenny Finch was a good softball player, but I really don't care to watch her play. Invest that money elsewhere where it's going to do good rather than put people to sleep after. A home run derby. Well, to be honest with you, I'm not in favor of any celebrity games uh, leading up to the All Star game, and I'm picking on the NBA again. I don't know if there's much of that in the NFL, and I know there isn't in hockey because those, those celebrities can't get on skates and they'll and they'll uh, play the old song that Lions used to have. Another one bites the dust. Well, I don't know about that. You know the artist. Another one bites the dust is all I need to know. But that note, okay. I want to thank Rick Curdy, who was the CEO of the uh, Charlotte Bats, for being on the program. Anytime we need a rant of the day, we could definitely count on Rick Curdy to provide some very interesting, unique, candid, colorful insights. With that said, Rick, thanks for being on the program, and we look forward to your next visit. Thank you, Rick. Thank you, guys. Thank All you. right. Take care, Rick. So now you, I'm sure you definitely understand why some people don't care about the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, look, I've had problems with it for years because we've you, we've discussed this briefly. I'm a massive music fan, so to see them constantly shell out. Like a couple of years ago, they had the Super Bowl in San Francisco, and if we're just, we're just going to talk briefly more on this. And they pl- they had Bruno Mars play in consecutive years. Now, Bruno Mars, no disrespect to him, there was a petition to have Metallica play. Metallica is a f- world-renowned heavy metal band who hail from San Francisco, hail from Los Angeles, but they made their name in San Francisco. And yet the general public failed to acknowledge. They've had rock bands play there before. Prince, Michael Jackson, right. Aerosmith, you know, great acts. Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers have played there. Why are you, why are you putting in this very f- easily forgettable pop artist in Bruno Mars and foregoing one of the more commercially and critically successful bands who hail from that area give it a local feel you know it feels very community like if you were to have that there they've made several mistakes before i think jennifer lopez is another one it's an appeal to the latin community you can make that claim all you want there's even rumors that this performance that they're making that they're going to have is going to be empowering I'm not going to – all I'm going to say is to anybody out there, don't watch The View the next morning because that's all they're going to be talking well, about. Well, I'll say about the Super Bowl, unless I'm actively involved like I have been this week, where I'm actually be around the newsmakers and the people I need to – I don't watch TV and watch any of that. I have other projects like building this network, lining mm-hmm. up guests, and trying to build a business model that will allow our entity to get stronger by the day. I don't have time to watch a lot of the side stuff. In the end – it's 60 minutes of football, four quarters, yeah. 15 minutes of pop. That's it. That's you can analyze this stupid game frontwards, backwards, sideways, and really in the end, you know what? 
it comes down to the fact that they, it'll be decided on the field. I don't care about all these analysts that have ever been there or haven't been there telling me what I think I ought to know. I really don't care. It's not the point. It doesn't make a lick of difference. Well, you made reference to it. Tell us a little bit about what you were doing down in Miami on Tuesday. I will do that. I had an opportunity to work with the Rude Dog Show, uh, Rudy Reyes, who uh, motorman and... Uh, Motorman and Rude Dog. Right. Uh, Copyright it. Right, exactly. And we uh, were doing some projects for uh, him as well. And it was a great opportunity for us to team up. And Rudy has a show here on the on the network. And we were able to land a few good interviews along the way. Don't have time to get into them all as our next guest is about to appear. But a few that stand out were Eric Heppel. We had a chance to talk to Howard Balzer. And, of course, Rudy Reyes and I went ahead and did a few live shots as well. And I had a chance to attend a Fox press conference where we, I was able to uh, talk to the dean of officiating, Mike Pereira. And I had a chance to go ahead and uh, hang out with Joe Buck. So it was a lot of fun. But, again, I, I take things in a much different level that at face value for what I believe we need to do. And But unless I'm actually in, totally involved in it, you know what? You won't see me around the TV very much. I'm way too busy. Don't have time for it. Yeah, and you're look. I think you'll be better off for it because you're not missing anything entertaining. I think the word entertainment has been skewed with a lot of. The well, crap. I drove down South Beach and seeing everybody have their uh, sets. I really don't frankly care. <laughs> I don't care. It, it was good because Rudy came in from out of town, and he, and him and his wife had a chance to see it. So anytime you have an out of town visitor. Uh, looking at it, it's nice to show them to be the tour guide. But we got a lot accomplished uh, on Tuesday at the Miami Beach Convention Center. We really, really did. So I'm happy that we were able to team up and do what we had to do. There's no doubt about it. So I, thanks for bringing that up. I really totally appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's pertinent now, and I think it's a good distraction to talk. Not necessarily a distraction, but it's pertinent to what game we have coming up this weekend. And you know what, in a sense, it is a distraction to get us away from the really tragic news that's kind of come down this week. We've already discussed. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. So we'll discuss it a little bit more later in the show. But yeah, I know. Look, I mean, it is unfortunate. Candy did make a good point earlier when she said it. it is appropriate that this kind of does overshadow a lot of what's going on because right. of, you know, who Kobe Bryant was. And as I was talking earlier about him, you know, I felt, you know, it was kind of getting hard to speak because even as somebody who really I followed his career, but I didn't necessarily wasn't an adamant NBA, you know, fan. It still hurts. I, I think when any loss of life hurts, you know, not just Kobe, his daughter Gianna, right. John Aldabelli, who has connections to my sport baseball, and just the other families involved. And, you know, all I can really say is this, you know, 
tell the pe- and somebody on Sports Center said this. I f- and I, I'm sorry, I failed to mention the name. Anytime you see your family, you don't know when you're ever going to see them again. So if you can, tell them you love them. You know, tell them you appreciate them. Oh yeah, because you know. You don't know when your last opportunity will be to do it. No doubt about it. Absolutely. This was unforeseen. Nobody saw this happening. The conditions kind of paved the way for that, unfortunately. Well, I mean, I can validate that a long time ago when I uh, saw Chuck Hughes die of a heart attack uh, when I went ahead and, at, at a young age. With, with that said, our next guest is former New York Giants offensive lineman, Bill Winters. And thanks for being on the show, Bill. Appreciate it. My pleasure, Scott. How are you tonight? I'm doing great. Thanks, Bill. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, you have some uh, connections to the Super Bowl, you know, both past players. So we'd like to let, ha- have the audience uh, clue us in on some of your uh, the people that you've dealt with throughout the years that are associated with this big game. All right. Um, well, we can start with my head coach, John McVay, uh, who um, was uh, built the 49ers onto a a dynasty and was in five Super Bowls and orchestrated that with uh, Bill Walsh. Uh, he became the director of player personnel and uh, just did a magnus- magnificent job after he left with the Giants. So uh, that, you know, sticks out quite a bit. And then uh, Joe Scanella. Joe Scanella was my, a Jersey guy, uh, had won the Super Bowl with the Oakland Raiders as an assistant coach. And then went on to be head coach of the Montreal Alouettes and uh, brought me up on a five-day trial uh, about three or four games into their season when they were kind of laboring and they were defending champs and put me in a right tackle and we wound up going all the way to the Great Cup and we lost that game to Warren Moon and the Edmonton Eskimos and Warren was a rookie uh, sitting on the bench backing up a quarterback that had played up there for a long time. Uh, so those are two guys uh, right off the top where, uh, you know, part of the fun of being a player is to watch people that you know intimately well that thought enough of you to sign you and, uh, you know, help build their teams go on to be successful at the, you know, the highest level possible. Um, And then also um, I had a teammate of mine by the name of Joey Hackett. Uh, Joey played tight end uh, for the San Antonio Gunslingers in the USFL. Uh, after the U.S. Fell folded, he hooked up with the Denver Broncos and wound up uh, starting a tight end for them in the Super Bowl against the New York Giants. Unfortunately, they didn't win that game, but I was so proud of him to see him uh, you know, reach the top of the mountain and get a chance to play and also start in that game. Uh, so, And, and uh, I also coached at Central Florida, and uh, I coached a young man by the name of Mike Grudadoria. Mike had actually gotten cut when he got drafted by the Dallas Cowboys. In fact, the guy that I know that I talk to every once in a while on Facebook, Louis Sharp, actually took his job. He actually called me, and he was wanted to sell tires at his dad's store. Uh, you know, his dad wanted to sell tires at his store, and he just said, Coach, you know, what do you think? And I said, Mike, you know, you got all your life to sell tires. Why don't you give it another shot and go play in the World Football League? And he, he wound up doing that. And uh, then he, uh, one of the centers got hurt for the Rams about a week before training camp. So they signed Mike as an insurance guy. Uh, and then uh, during the course of the St. Louis Rams uh, season during, with Coach Vermeil, uh, they lost their quarterback and they put in Kurt Warner. 
and Mike had had the two centers behind him had gotten hurt as well, so they put him in there as well, and they went all the way to the Super Bowl and won it. And that was especially sweet. Uh, so I got to watch a guy uh, uh, play center that I coached and uh, get an opportunity to make the most of it, uh, and then wind up winning a Super Bowl. Uh, so, you know, it's it's really special for me sometimes uh, having played in, you know, with different leagues, with different coaches, to watch people reach the top of the mountain. Okay. Well, you know, again, the game is just a few days away, Bill, and you've certainly said a lot of different people. Of those people, which ones stand out the most? Oh, uh, well, <laughs> I, I have to say Mike Rudadoria, because okay. I coached him, and I had to fight for him a little bit. They wanted to convert him to defensive tackle. And I was in a meeting with him, and I said, Mike's the center. He's a grinder. We need a guy in there at center. And part of being a coach is putting guys in the right position. Right. Um, and the coach just went ahead and said, okay. And I was working as a volunteer assistant coach. Uh, you know, it's very unique. Uh, you know, I, I can only speak for the guys from 1976 to 87. Right. Um, it's a totally different world uh, today than it was when I was there. We've had to fight and crawl for everything we've got. And, uh, you know, so I was working for next to nothing and actually lived in a collegiate village in with the players. I'd get up every morning and, and go down the hallway banging a garbage can in, and I had to wait, you know, uh, strength and conditioning. So I had to make sure the guys were in the weight room and I had to make sure they go to class. I actually lived with one of the players because the University of Central Florida was on a shoestring budget. They had literally had no money in their division. Uh, they weren't even, you know, on the Division One uh, program. They were trying to become a Division One program. So a lot of us, you know, had a lot to do with building that program. We take a lot of pride in it because I knew that eventually they would be where they're at now because of just the demographics and the, you know, and the growth of the, of the university. So it's, it's fun to watch the Central Florida do what they do. But to answer your question, it's probably Mike Rudoria. Although Joey Hackett's a close second because Joey was a teammate of mine and, and a great friend. And uh, we still stay in touch. And it was really fun for him to, to play and watch him play, too. So, you know, I would say it's a tie between those two. Maybe a little bit of a nose to Mike Crudatoria because I spent a lot of time with him and had a lot to do with his development. <clears throat> All right. Well, you know, it's funny. You talk about the USFL, the San Antonio Gunslingers. Boy, that's a name of the past, isn't it, Bill? Well, yeah, it is, but there are a lot of talented guys on that football team. Yeah, name a few. Uh, Juan Castillo, uh, Chicago Bears. Offensive uh, offensive line coach Juan has been in the National Football League for 27 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rick Neuheisel, our quarterback, broadcast the games. Yeah, Ralph right. Williams played offensive tackle for the uh, uh, New Orleans Saints. Uh, we've had a couple of guys, Jim Bob Morris and Putt Schott. Putt Schott has the largest water irrigation company in the world. You should see his house up in Dallas. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jim Bob Morris packages uh, me. He's made a ton of money. And these are just guys that are my teammates. They're like my brothers, and I'm very proud of all of them. And we had, you know, it was a really special group of guys. So what happens in that locker room, that's all we care about. I'm actually sitting back right now watching uh, Michael Vick's show. And uh, Tommy Riemann coached him. Tommy was a brief roommate of mine with the Montreal Alouettes. They brought him up in a 5 dry trial. He was with us for a couple of weeks, and they sent him home. And t- Tommy was an actor back then, so we had a bond. We used to talk about acting. So, you know, it's fun. I, I've been in some very unique situations. With the San Antonio, uh, that, that, that was just a very special team. 
And we used to joke around that Donald Trump on the New Jersey general, he didn't want to play us. And, uh, and you know, because we were kind of a, a semi-pro football team and had a really bad front office. And when I got there, the team hadn't won a game, but I was able to stabilize the offensive line. And, and uh, then we were able to run our offense. We had a tremendous defense. And we know we could have beaten a third of the NFL teams. There's no doubt about it. Uh, we played the Bards. We played uh, the Philadelphia Stars. And Bart Oates, uh, who was a client of mine at one time, and, and I consider a good friend, uh, wound up being starting center for the, the New York Giants. So it was fun to watch him win Super Bowls. And, you know, he was a guy that I had a bond with because we had the same line coach, Jim Merkin. Uh, when I played up in Montreal, Jim was the Bart's line coach with the uh, Philadelphia Stars. And Bart went on record and said the Stars could beat, uh, you know, lesser-known NFL teams, definitely could have beaten the Eagles. And, and uh, you know, we, we kind of know uh, where we were at and what we stood for, so we didn't really care what the American public thought of us. From the outside, we knew we were a pretty good football team. Yeah, Lewis didn't has matter a, what league we were in. Lewis has a question. All right, Bill, so touching on, you know, the game that we have at hand on Sunday, how important you think it is for one of these two teams, either San Francisco or Kansas City, to establish the run game early to set up the passing game? I'm going to tell you exactly how this game is going to play out because uh, I put my money where my mouth is and I've done pretty well for it. The San Francisco 49ers are going to run the football and Kansas City's not going to be able to stop it. And it's going to be third and down and Garoppolo's going to, uh, t- uh, going to hold on to the football by completing third down and being a very efficient. Uh, and they're going to keep they're going to keep the ball away from the homes, and it's going to go down to the fourth quarter. And I just think that the defense will make a play, and I think that uh, the smarter team will win. But I wouldn't be surprised if it goes into overtime or it gets done by a field goal. But uh, I think it's so important that the 49ers be able to run the football. And I'm a little bit of a uh, I'm a little bit arrogant about this. You know, you can talk about quarterback play. You can talk about this and that. You set the tone with the five guys on the offensive line that control the pace of the game. That's right. And one of the greatest things in the world to do is to shut down the planet or shut down the people that are in the stadium and watching the game because the defense cannot stop you running the football. And I take a a great deal of pride in that. Uh, When I played, uh, we took teams that weren't supposed to win games like the San Antonio Gunslingers or the Montreal Alouettes that with defending champions, they couldn't. We ran the football up in the Canadian League, three downs to make ten. That's why I put my game on the YouTube channels, because I wanted people to see, you know, what it takes to win championship games. But to to uh, answer your question, Lewis, it's the run game is going to be the deter- determining uh, factor uh, in this ball game, and it's really interesting. Uh, you know, the, the Kansas City coach, uh, it's a hit or miss. You know, he's going to come up with some schemes that are going to be able to stop the run or he's going to be getting gassed wide open and get ripped a new asshole. And I just think it's going to be a little bit of both. And I just think the 49ers are going to run the football, and Kent City's going to have a tough time doing what they do to people, and I don't think Mahomes is going to be able to be an opportunity to make a lot of plays. So who, who, who wins? What's your score? Uh, the 49ers are going to win 30-27. to 27. Uh, you got one more question before we... Uh... Yeah, yeah, so... Bill, we talk a lot in our pre-production meetings, and sometimes I'm just an observer in that instance. I'm a spectator. I listen to you and Scott go at it. And I think if you were to look up the word cerebral in the dictionary, you'd see a picture of Bill there smiling because he doesn't hide you know, his opinions on things. We were just talking to our last guest, um, Rick Curdy, who, you know, um, Charlotte Bats guy, you know, if you know him, trying to get a baseball team down there. Anyway, my question is, we were discussing a lot about how the Super Bowl, uh, as a 
as a product that we see on TV has kind of devolved to where they're emphasizing more commercials in the halftime show and making a bigger deal of that than the actual game on the field. Me and Scott agree that we're there to watch football. What is your opinion on that? Do you ever get annoyed watching how outrageously ridiculous these halftime shows are and how, you know, how much effort they're putting into these commercials and just kind of like deviating from the sport altogether? Yeah. Can I tell you something? Uh, And this is really, really funny. When you play the game, and, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of guys that you'll talk to that have a high IQ, football IQ, but we live it, sleep it, and breathe it. Um, it's turning, it turned into entertainment right after ESPN in 1987. Right. And uh, really what's going on now is the money's coming from advertising. So uh, they're trying to squeeze another ball game. And I'm watching my boy Richard Sherman talking about Why are they even asking these players these questions? Because these journalists are stuck on stupid with some of these questions. They tried to, they tried to uh, trap uh, the, 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 the offensive coordinator for Kansas City. Because what's going on now is you've got political agendas. I, I laugh because, you see, it's evolved into what we're seeing on social media. Right now, I, I saw the first this week we had the women talking about, you know, uh, there was, the first article was uh, 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 the, uh, the woman coach of the San Francisco 49ers. Then the next one is, um, you know, a, a domestic battery and assault and battery charges. Okay, I guess ball players. Then the next one is the diversity. Okay, of coaches, why there's not enough black coaches, and then they, sh- they actually trapped Eric Bieniemy. I love Eric Bieniemy. First of all, I know him. He was in Colorado. Okay, uh, he's a great guy, and I-, and I love it because these guys are doing what they love to do, and they don't want to hear about this stuff because in the locker room, it- the color is blind. It's the media that makes all this stuff up, and we reached- we we're redlining so much to the left now that it's almost predictable because we've been doing this stuff. Okay, um, you know, for the last couple of years to the point where the needle is actually starting to go back to the middle because they're trying to trap people into doing things. They're trying to make, uh, you know, uh, stories about things and they're crapping all over these guys' life's work and don't have enough decency to know when to bring it up and when not to. And I love guys like Richard Sherman that are intellectual enough that have seen that, done that, got the T-shirt, to get up and put the media in their place. Okay. I say, what do you even have Bill, these Bill. questions for, number one? And now, hold on, let me finish. Okay, and number two, okay, you know, trapping a young coach uh, who's going to be a head coach and asking him a, a, a double-ended question, no matter what he says, he can't win. Okay, and he and politically said the right thing, so you know he's ready to go. And you just have to laugh about that. Okay. Okay, so, you know, in, in all essences, you know, it's turned into entertainment. And you see all these commercials now to generate revenue. Uh, you know, I get ticked off because I'm being brainwashed by State Farm, okay, and uh, these other commercials to the point now I'm seeing the stuff in my sleep. Well, and, and, it, and really what's happening now is people are looking for alternatives because they're really getting tired of it. Now we have a league that's coming up right now that's through, uh, it's starting to piss me off, and they haven't even played yet called the XFL. Okay, and I'm sitting there going, well, we'll see what they're going to put out. Up there, but it could be a cross between wrestling and everything else, and it's all going to be hype and bells and whistles and technology. I want to see how good the football players. Okay, are. Bill. So I'm sorry, guys. I just had to answer that. That's question. okay. We got 30 seconds, and you got 30 seconds to plug your YouTube channel, and then uh, we'll wrap it up. Okay, Bill. Go ahead. Well, the first thing I'd like to do is I'd like people to read my book that I wrote. I haven't even plugged that. Uh, from the outhouse to the penthouse and somewhere in between. Okay. I wrote it as a litmus test back in the 80s after the USFL folded. Uh, it's a little autobiographical, but I make up a character by the name of Parker Thomas. So you can kind of get an idea of what we went through when we played. And you can also find me on YouTube. 
just just go to Bill Winters and type in the word football after my name, and a purple circle will come up and hit subscribe. And, you know, you also go to my Wikipedia page. It's easy to find, Bill Winters Football, um, and also on Facebook. And I would like to close with this. Uh, I would like to give a shout-out to Glenn Edwards, Pine, who played for the Pittsburgh Steelers and won a couple Super Bowls. Uh, he was my teammate with the Tampa Bay Bennett's, and uh, he had won a Super Bowl before he was with me. I learned a lot from Pine. Um, and also with Dan Ross, a teammate of mine who won a, a, was with the Super Bowl with the Cincinnati Bengals and almost won the uh, Most Valuable Player Award before Montana stroked Jerry Rice with a touchdown a few seconds to go where they lost. Uh, Dan, I learned a lot from Dan as well. These guys were teammates of mine and meant for me when I was in the USFL. So with that, that's uh, my uh, plug. Oh, okay, Bill, I appreciate your insights today, and we'll find out how uh, good your Super Bowl prediction is and what we bring on next week. Thank you very much, Bill. Have a great weekend, and look forward to uh, uh, coming on the program next week. H- have a good night, Bill. Thank you. My pleasure. All right, take care, Bye, Bill. Bye. Well, we've got a couple predictions there from Mel Farr, okay, who's actually aiming toward Kansas City and Bill going the other way was San Francisco, so I'll be curious as to how it all plays out. So, you know, the one thing I can tell you right now is this, you know, you got two teams here, one hasn't won. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Super Bowl in 50 years, and the other one's trying to win their sixth to, to tie for the all-time lead. We'll just call it the something has to give bowl. One drought ends or another one makes history to tie some elite franchises yeah and i yeah it's kind of like david versus goliath in this super bowl bill made a couple of interesting points though kansas city has never really and much more recently all right uh, anyways our next guest here on the sports exchange is xavier mcknight and xavier mcknight is a regular uh, contributor here to the uh, south florida tribune broadcast network and he is so by with our show, The Real and the Rare. And Xavier McKnight, thanks for being back on the Sports Exchange. I know it's been a while on this show, so glad to have you back on the program. As always, Scott, uh, it's great to be back on to the program, great to be back on the Sports Exchange, great to be back doing The Real and Rare and just being back with the South Florida Tribune Broadcasting Network. Beautiful. Well, I know... You uh, texted me because you had some strong feelings about the Kobe Bryant tragedy. So what I'm going to do, Xavier, is I'm going to let you go ahead and talk about Kobe Bryant. Well, first off, before I begin, I have to ask, is anyone else on the program tonight? I'm right here, Xavier. Yeah, uh, Louis Adio Weiss and I, is right here. And right I now. wish we could have reunited on happier terms. Yes, definitely wish that was the case. But I wanted to make sure that I properly gave everyone the on this show that they deserve just simply by giving everyone a formal greeting before I uh, decided to dive in on this topic. Um, been a very tough past four days for me in particular. I mean, for all of us who are basketball fans and sports fans and Laker fans and just good, genuine human beings and visual in, uh, in general, it's been a tough past four days. Um, 
I was at work on Sunday, and I had actually just finished eating my lunch, and a reporter came running out of her office and just screaming, Kobe Bryant died. And the first place we actually saw it was from a news station in Miami who said that they had heard it from a verified source. Now, Scott and Lewis, here's the thing about this. An hour before any of this was even taking place, I was taking a look on different news stations, Twitter sites, and what I had ran across was ABC News in Tampa. They had just tweeted about a helicopter crash that had happened in Calabasas. And I was actually waiting for ABC Extreme Reach to send out some type of live feed about that crash so that I could try to live stream it for my station's Facebook page. Xavier, excuse me for a second, if I may. I need you to speak up a little bit louder, all right? Okay. No problem. Go ahead. Proceed. And I, I, I had just heard about this crash in the Calabasas, and I'm looking on ABC Extreme Reach to see if there's a live feed that I can send out to my station's Facebook page. Never in a million years, an hour later, would I expect to even hear what I had just heard. But, you know, at the time she's like, yeah, this came from my station in Miami, and they heard it from a verified source that's pretty close to the situation. Right. And then at that point, we had then saw TMZ's report. But at this point, I'm still like, no, I'm not believing this. I'm not believing this. But I, the more I go on Twitter, the more people I see saying, rest in peace, Kobe. Oh, oh my God, I can't believe this. And the moment I knew that this was a reality was when ABC7 in Los Angeles tweeted it out. Right. That's when I knew this was a reality. I had other colleagues and friends who were saying, I'm waiting for ESPN to release something. No, I knew when ABC7 in Los Angeles tweeted something out, I knew this is a real thing. And, you know, just I'm still trying to process all of this, it has slowly, truly became a reality for me in the past few days. When I woke up on Monday morning, I was still just laying in my bed in shock and in disbelief that Kobe's no longer here, his daughter's no longer here, and those other seven passengers who were on that helicopter with them, including the pilot, are no longer here. And, you know, you hear people with their conspiracy theories about what they believe happened, what they believe led to the crash, how things could have been avoided, and even though some of those things could possibly be true, the fact of the matter is this, when it's your time to leave this earth, it's your time to leave this earth, and that's an appointment that none of us are going to be able to avoid. The positives that I take out of this is the fact that we were blessed with the gift known as Kobe Bryant for 20 years of his brilliant NBA career. And he left us with so many very beautiful moments, so many exciting moments. Kobe made us laugh. He made us cry. He made us feel every emotion he did as a basketball player. And when you look at the second phase of his life, that just makes it even more tragic with this situation. For the first time, it looked like Kobe was actually happy. Because I don't remember ever seeing Kobe Bryant look satisfied or look happy as a basketball player. I never saw him smiled so much until his career was over and you hear him say in these different interviews when people would ask him if he missed basketball and he'd say no 
because he gave it everything he had. And, I mean, you look at it, and Kobe Bryant absolutely gave this game everything that he had. I mean, my goodness, you look in his 17th season, the 2012-2013 season, he was basically carrying a Lakers team. He carried them into the postseason, and he didn't get to play in it because he ruptured his Achilles. Right. Of course, after that, the Kobe Bryant that we once all knew as a player, he was no more after that. But he left us with one last beautiful moment, scoring 60 points in his final game of his career that he scored there. But I was really excited for everything that he had going on. And, you know, I feel for the athletes and the people who are the closest to him. Of course, I send my prayers and condolences to all of the families involved. But Scott, I just have to say this. I don't know if anyone's had a chance to take a look at Vanessa Bryant's Instagram post that she came out with last night. Mm-hmm. Saw this morning, yeah. Her post, her post was focusing more on, yes, we're mourning Kobe and Gianna. Yes, we missed them. We wish we could just say something to them one more time. We wish we could just see them one more time. We wish we could have them here forever. But a vast majority of her posts was focused on doing everything they could to also help the victims' families of everyone else died in that crash as well and that's a different level of selflessness and love right there I mean this woman is about to bury her husband one of her children their siblings are about to bury their father one of their their, uh, siblings and you just look at what that post was focused on and you're just like wow this is what this family was all about because that's what Kobe was all about later on throughout the second half of his life of course the first half of his life Kobe wasn't exactly openly like this we don't know what he was like on the inside but when you look especially the years after him tearing his Achilles and him realizing I have to transition out to life after basketball and you saw how open he was you saw how much of a helper he was to other people he was a huge advocate for women's sports especially women's basketball whether it's college basketball whether it's the WNBA I mean just a few days before that unfortunate tragedy took place he was being interviewed and he had given a short list of WNBA players who he felt could play in the NBA right now and when you think about his 13 year old daughter and the trajectory that she was on and she was going to make it to the WNBA. She was going to be one of the greatest women's basketball players of all time. It just, it absolutely breaks your heart. It's a tragedy. It's still unbelievable and somewhat shocking in a sort of way. But the somewhat positive that I take out of this whole thing, and I know that it is just so out of the ordinary to say that we are taking some type of positive out of a situation like this, positive that I take out of this is look at how it is bringing people together, look at how it is connecting people, look at how people are just coming together. My only hope for all of this is that this is not some temporary thing that people are doing because there's so much in hurt and there's so much in shock right now. No, I really hope and pray that this is a lifestyle choice that people are making. I hope that people understand that before they decide to have any rights for someone else going forward or before things go longer than they should. And don't get me wrong, we are going to continue to see people have disagreements with each other. 
We're going to see people continue to have uh, altercations of some sort with each other. We're going to have times where people just aren't going to like each other. That's not out of the norm. It's not out of the ordinary. And it's almost not even normal to even think that those things are no longer going to happen because of a horrible tragedy that right. took place. But I hope that those things can be taken into account because of a horrible tragedy like this that listen. I'm mad at you right now, but I hope those things can be resolved faster than than they usually are. Because the last thing that I believe anyone would want to deal with is someone leaving this earth that you do not have proper closure with or that you are not on good terms with. Because it would really just take a cold-hearted person, in my opinion, for something like that to happen. To just say... Oh, well, no, if, if you are a genuine hearted human and something like that were to happen, you're going to be hurt. It's going to hit you. You're, you're, you're going to feel something. And it's really going to be feelings of regret that you really can't look that person in the eye anymore and say, I'm sorry. And they know that you're sorry or they at least heard you say those words. Scott and Lewis, before I hand the floor to you, I just want to say that I thought Kendrick Perkins do something very beautiful on Twitter a few days ago. It was actually the day that we all learned of Kobe Bryant's passing. And he said it again today on the jump on ESPN. I'm not sure if everyone's aware, but a little over a month ago, there was a short Twitter beef between Mm -hmm. Kevin Durant and Kendrick Perkins. And Kendrick Perkins went on Twitter the day of Kobe Bryant's passing. And he also did it today on the jump. And he openly asked Kendrick Perkins and he openly asked Kevin Durant for forgiveness. And I believe that that was a very beautiful gesture. I hope that Kevin Durant does forgive him. I hope that they're able to make amends and they're able to go back to being like brothers. And I hope the same thing for guys like Terrell Lawrence and Donovan McNabb and others. Because at the end of the day, some of these things are just not worth it. And life is just so precious and we should savor every single second of every moment. Okay. The floor is yours. All right, Lewis, go ahead. So, Xavier, a couple of things, and one is a bit cryptic, and then another one is just a little sad. I want to know your thoughts. I was watching The Jump the other day. Oh, it's Again, it's kind of hard for me to speak right now because growing up I wasn't the biggest basketball fan, but I feel like I followed Kobe ever since I was a little kid. Tracy McGrady, who was kind of Kobe's contemporary when he was with Houston in the league, they played around the same time said that Kobe once told him that he wanted to die young because he felt like after he had given his all on the basketball court, and obviously I feel like this may have shifted given what he was doing up until his passing, he had pretty much given everything he thought he was meant to give. And then again, to the second thing I'll ask, how ironic is it that this happens literally the day after LeBron who is now in a Lakers uniform, passes him on the all-time scoring list. You know, Lewis, before I get to the Tracy McGrady point, you bring up LeBron passing him on the all-time scoring list. It was an eerie feeling for me on Saturday night before that game. The way that they were just talking about Kobe Bryant and they were talking about LeBron James and Rachel Nichols and the crew when they were all there. It was just some type of eerie feeling about that. And I wasn't sure exactly what I was feeling until, of course, almost 16 hours later just like it was just something eerie about it It was something like we need to embrace 
this moment because they celebrated him getting ready to pass Kobe Bryant on the all-time scoring list more than they celebrated him passing Michael Jordan on the all-time scoring list. I mean, it was just something really eerie about that to me. And as far as what Tracy McGrady said, yeah, you know, I, I can believe that a younger Kobe Bryant probably would have said things like that. Scott is a longtime journalist, a longtime uh, writer in this business, and Scott, you go ahead and you fill in the blank for here with me on this one because I know you already know the answer to this. Just from the outside looking in, when Kobe Bryant was younger, he appeared to be more reckless than he did during this phase of his life that was coming up. Right. Okay. So I can believe that he said something like that. But I honestly do believe that his train of thought was definitely shifting as he was getting older and as he was leaving the game and he was enjoying being a family man and he was enjoying being a father and he was enjoying the possibility of growing old and with his wife and his children growing up and him having grandchildren and going to proms and graduations and all this other stuff that we now know is just so sadly, unfortunately, not going to happen. But, you know, I'm not the biggest religious person, but I am very spiritual. And it's very true when they say, that death and life are in the power of the tongue. Right. You have to be careful what you speak. You have to be careful about certain things that you say. Well, yeah, you do, because obviously you don't know when your final breath is going to take place. You know, yeah, sometimes things have a way to work in mysterious ways without a doubt. Yeah. I get that, okay? And, you know, yes, it's ironic that... You know, LeBron passes Kobe Bryant the night before Kobe Bryant passes away. All right, I get that. But the reality that gets lost in this whole thing is this situation, Xavier and Lewis, could have been averted Mm -hmm. had Kobe Bryant had used better discretion. That's a thing that gets lost sight in this whole thing. Come on. You've got weather reports that are not favorable, as in the fog, all right? And you have pilot error, you know, where you're within 20 to 30 feet from the mountain. You know, I understand that it's one thing to die young, but you know what? This isn't like Roberto Clemente, Xavier. It's not where this was a humanitarian issue. This was completely avoidable. I'm not trying to discount Kobe Bryant's legacy. I'm not. Heck of a basketball player. He's going to the Hall of Fame. And what should also be noted about Kobe Bryant is that when you look at his legacy of what he's meant around the world, there's no question in that. But we all know that you have to live every day as if it were your last. I think the one thing that should be looked at is he accomplished everything in basketball. Yes, he was the family man. I guess the only chapter that won't be written is what we accomplish after basketball, knowing he'd done everything on the floor. That's the thing that I'll be missing, knowing that he had an acting career and had a lot of worthy causes of what he had to do. So, you know, but again, and I've talked about this throughout the program uh, and we're continuing with you, 
is there was pilot error involved, Xavier. We're talking about a helicopter that went 180 miles an hour with inclement weather. This was completely avoidable. It really was. Yes, I, I, yes Scott, I definitely agree with you on that, and that's something that has completely, and it still bothers me a little about this entire incident. You you really wish that Kobe had a view, better judgment. You wish that the pilot had not have been cleared for takeoff. Right. You wish that somebody, and my news director was having this conversation just a few days ago, and it wasn't even related to this tragedy, but it comes into play with a situation like this. Right. In certain situations, there is usually at least one person who has a difference of opinion than someone else on a certain thing. And all it usually takes is if one person just speaks up and says, are we sure we should do this? Have we taken all of this into account right now? I don't really think we should do this. You know, if one person just speaks up in that moment, right? maybe all of this doesn't happen. And, you know, also take this into account. The pilot was told to hold when he was close to the Burbank airport. And he circled around six times. He had six different opportunities to turn back around and go back the other way and try to land the helicopter and to call a private driver for everyone. Right. Like, yes, this is definitely something that continues to bother me with all of this, but I'm not going to engage in conspiracy theories about this just simply because I want to have respect for everybody who was involved in this because this is just still an unspeakable, unfathomable tragedy that took place. Well, not only that, Xavier... My heart goes out not only to Brian's family, but the passengers' families as well. Mm-hmm. Yes, this is no, this is beyond Kobe Bryant. It's about the passengers' family, and, and that's the saddest part about the whole thing. It's how they're being ignored. Yeah, the I, I think this thing should definitely be focused on a lot more. And to Mrs. Bryant's credit, she's certainly trying to defer some of this to them. And I know that all the funerals will be properly taken care of, which is beyond as be besides the point. But I think the rest in peace should be to the families that were on that plane, in addition to Kobe Bryant and his young daughter. I really yes, do. John, I definitely agree with you on that, and I want to give a kudos to all of the news outlets who have mentioned all of the members who were on that unfortunate mm-hmm. flight. I want to give a kudos to Luka Doncic of the Dallas Mavericks, who wore on his sneakers the other night. Rest in peace, and he named everyone by family name was involved on that horrific flight and you know right now I also want to take this time to give props and kudos to all of the news outlets who properly handled this entire situation on Sunday right beginning with ESPN because of course we have seen throughout these past four days especially on the day this actually took place we have seen some very irresponsible wrong and negligent journalism. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, it, it, it definitely, like, you, you see that some people's jobs are being called in question, and as indeed they should be, because when you start reporting things like there are people who have been for 
pronounced dead on a flight that weren't even on that helicopter. That is some serious business, and you better know what you are talking about. Because if you don't have that written in for a fact, don't say it. Because you don't know where the family members are, where the friends are. You don't know what people are doing in the moment that they may receive news like that. What if somebody, you know, I, I take it to the Rick Fox point. We had heard very early on in the afternoon that Rick Fox was on that flight with Kobe Bryant. And right. And sitting there thinking, where was Rick Fox's family in that moment? Right. You know, like, what, what were they doing in the moment? Was somebody driving, you know, getting some news like that? And then it turns out to not be true. And thankfully for Rick Fox and his family, that wasn't true. Right. That was very wrong, and that was very negligent, and that was very irresponsible. And I won't even get started on Vanessa Bryant having to find out online that her husband and her daughter, but first her husband, had been killed in a helicopter crash before she could properly be notified by the authorities. All right, we got about a minute to go, Xavier. So I won't, I won't even get into that. We have about a minute to go, and I want to make sure I mention this. Neither you or Lewis were alive when this took place, but I'll refer back to the Reagan assassination. Being a uh, old-school journalist like I am, a guy by the name of Frank Reynolds, who used to work for ABC News, who was an anchor, went ahead and ripped his uh, uh, colleagues uh, on the air for the Reagan assassination assassination for irresponsible reporting and he was animated and angry he said i don't care about getting it first i want to get it right and i think frank reynolds is a modern uh if it's too bad people wouldn't appreciate frank reynolds for what he did for those individuals that don't know about frank reynolds uh google up frank reynolds for abc news and google him and then you can get a feel for how he handled things because i think his uh, that he would certainly be a, an individual you could appreciate in this sort of thing. But, Xavier, we've got about 30 seconds to go. Any final closing thoughts about Kobe Bryant? Well, I just simply just want to be thankful of the fact that we were blessed with the gift of Kobe Bryant during his time here on this earth. And I want to thank Kobe for all the memories, the wonderful memories that he leaves us with. And I want to thank Kobe for the Mamba mentality because the Mamba mentality really helped shape part of who I am today. And, you know, just very sad situation, but I, I will always be thankful for the memories and rest in peace to all of the victims who were on that flight and prayers and condolences and nothing but the best of positive energies to all of the families involved. Well, you know, Kobe Bryant's headed to the Hall of Fame. And unfortunately, I hate to say him and Roberto Clemente have something in common, that they died before their time, and they're going to be going in right away. But Roberto Clemente is a name that stands out a lot. But, Xavier, we appreciate you coming on to Sports Exchange. I know you don't do it very often. Certainly love to have you more often when your situation prevents itself. But for those of you individuals out there, Xavier and I have a program called The Real and the Rare, and Xavier gives it his best in the kitchen. So, Xavier, thanks again for being on the Sports Exchange, and have yourself a great night. We enjoyed your commentary thank you, thank on Kobe Bryant. Thank you, Scott and Lewis. Thank you guys for having me. You're very no problem, welcome. Xavier. Thank Be you, good. Xavier. Thank you. So, again, we try to make light of the Kobe Bryant situation, and the only thing that I can say about the whole thing is it's strictly unfortunate and it's tragic. Yeah. But I'm going to go back to what I mentioned earlier about Chuck Hughes dying. He's the only player in NFL history to die, died of a heart attack. And the only thing I can say about the Chuck Hughes situation, 
when I was myself, I believe I was eight years old at the mm-hmm. time, as he never had a chance to say to his wife that he loved her uh, after they had had an argument the night before. And yeah. I know to this day she probably feels bad about it. Things happen, but you know what? And and I ended up writing a story many, many years ago on scottfork33.com about it. And, you know, and I ended up getting contacted by some of his family members uh, thanking me for uh, recognizing Chuck. And that was the first brush that I had with death at a young age. So, you know, the whole thing about Kobe Bryant has been unfortunately tragic. And there aren't enough words or mentions that you can uh, say about the whole thing that changes anybody's feelings. And we're getting it throughout the course of the week broadcast. And I want to make sure that everybody has a chance to chime in when they can. And and ultimately, the families will definitely have to be able to try to heal at some point, but I know it won't be easy mm-hmm. as the tributes go ahead and start to come out uh, over the course of the next several weeks, years, and so forth. So. I honestly can't really remember a death, you know, in the lexicon of celebrity that's really kind of hurt, you know, a glo- you know, the entire continent pretty much. There's just people all over the world who... In one way or another, I think when you lose people like this, even if you don't know them personally, what hurts the most, and I saw a video today and it kind of had me on the verge of crying, was it was a young woman outside the Staples Center placing flowers on her grave and she was telling a story that when she was a kid, she broke her leg and she was sitting inside watching her friends play. They're all outside and to be able to recover from, you know, the temporary melancholy associated with not being able to be with your friends outside was watching Kobe Bryant play basketball. And I think that really speaks to the beauty of sports and that they have healing powers. And when you lose people like this who kind of, they kind of go back to a place in your childhood, you know, they take you back to that moment in time. You kind of feel like that part of you just kind of dies as well, unfortunately. Okay, our next guest is uh, a contributor for the South Florida Tribune, Jake Rongholt. Jake, thanks for being on the Sports Exchange. How are you doing tonight? Scott, it is uh, great to hear from you again. How is everything in Miami? Everything's going great. I've enjoyed my uh, work with the Super Bowl so far, and I'm looking forward to some more uh, work on Saturday night with the taste of the NFL. It's been a lot of fun. As you saw that I posted on social media, it was great to have an opportunity to have five great individuals that I was able to post uh, on my social media accounts as well. So I know I'm referring to Joe Buck, Barry Sanders, Howard Balzer. Oh, my goodness. Joe I mean, Davis? Joe, well, no, it was later on. But uh, Solomon Wilcox was another one. Oh, jeez. Oh, yeah. I'm kind of drawing a blank on the other one, but I had Howard Balzer. uh was one of them uh eric hipple's the other one thankfully so i didn't have it so it's been a lot of fun you know being around an area the only bittersweet moment though jake is unfortunately we're talking about kobe bryant i understand it was a major event that took place on sunday but you know uh unfortunately uh we're dividing airtime between the super bowl and the unfortunate uh, circumstances surrounding kobe bryant but that's the side society that we live in and i know that's something that you certainly want to talk about so go the floor is yours jake well i'd have to say this is probably the most muted coverage of a super bowl that i have seen in my in my life Mm. Uh, i've been alive for 33 years going on 34 and it is amazing what happened i mean sunday 
Both teams landed in Miami. Everything was feeling good. You had all the big-time people down there, including you and Rudy Reyes. And, you know, I was just sitting. I was having a nice, lazy Sunday with my girlfriend, and suddenly my phone wouldn't stop buzzing. And it wasn't ESPN. It wasn't TMZ or anything. It was uh, one of my buddies. I'm, I'm a contributor for the Hooligan Hour podcast. And he texted me, and he told me that Kobe Bryant uh, was killed in a helicopter crash. And I sat back and went, no, you're, you're lying. There's nothing here. What, what are you talking about? So I just started scouring the Internet, trying to figure out what in the world is this true? Is this something I need to be looking at? And then, uh, fortunately, it was TMZ that did the report, and the rest was history. It, uh, it was a shocker uh, because the best the, the one thing I know about Kobe Bryant is, is that when uh, Michael Jordan called it a career, people were looking for the next big thing, and Kobe Bryant was that. And the, the thing is, I, I love it how everybody says, you know, oh, I'll never forget everything he did as a basketball player. Honestly, I was more of a fan of him in his second life as a dad, as a mentor to the NBA players, because you saw how many NBA players he impacted over the years uh, after he retired at 37 years old. The last four years... Uh, he was always texting NBA players, telling them, hey, you need to get better with your jump shot. Hey, you need to get inside the lane faster. And he was like a coach out there. Right. And talking to a Laker fan about a couple of years ago, a good friend of mine, um, I'll just call him Banks, and I told him, I said, is it just me, or would I love to see Kobe Bryant as a coach someday? And he was coaching his daughter's basketball team. And then the funny thing was is I didn't like the way that this was reported. It shouldn't have been reported the way it was because they started off by saying, like, all the daughters were gone. And then we found out the unfortunate news. And I give a lot of credit to a man named uh, Jaron Jackson, Sirius XM NBA Radio. He had the task of going on that Sunday and reporting this with journalistic integrity because the problem was on social media, we had no idea what the hell was true, what was false. There were reports coming out saying, like, all the daughters were on the helicopter. There were there were five people dead, including Kobe Bryant. And I was like, I just want to know what in the world is going on. That's all I was looking for. Right. So I just want to bring this brief shout-out here. So we did find out that one of the daughters, Gianna, nicknamed Gigi, a 13-year-old sensation, was going to be the next great you know, basketball player. John Ottobelli, uh, 56 years old. Uh, he was a JUCO celebrated baseball coach, his wife, Carrie, uh, Alyssa Altabelli, his daughter, who was also on the same basketball team as Gigi, Christina Mauser, a girls basketball coach, Ara Zabayan, uh, the pilot, and then uh, Sarah Chester and her daughter, Peyton Chester. So just a reminder to everybody, I know that, you know, this is about Kobe Bryant and his daughter, but remind yourself there are two other families that are mourning the loss of their loved ones here, right. and uh, it is... Just talking about it, I, I can't believe he is gone. I, I really can't. Um, I know I'm saying a lot of ums right now, but lots okay. Yeah, I don't know what to say about it. I mean, this is a guy who you know won an Academy Award for a short film called Dear Basketball, and I finally got to watch it, and I was in love with it. It was five minutes long. He created it. He narrated it, and it was beautiful. I mean, it was about him sitting on a like starting off in the bed, animation, and he's just, you know, shooting little paper, 
you know, pieces of paper rolling up in a ball and thrown into a trash can. And that was how he was learning. And then there was always him, you know, in his number eight jersey, his number 24, holding up the Larry O'Brien trophy. His narration, it was just beautiful. And I just loved the way Bryant was able to grow up in front of our eyes, become something better than he was. And, you know, we have to, I, I would be in insulting the audience if I did not talk about what happened in Eagle County. It was a horrific moment for him. He went through a lot, and the one thing is, he didn't deny it. He settled it out of court in a civil suit, and he said that I understand, and he believed that it wasn't consensual after all, and he was acquitted, and we just had to move on with it, and I get, and this guy could have lost everything. You know, his wife could have left him and all this kind of stuff, but he found a way through basketball, through family, through being a father, to be in something even better. And that is why we say when we wake up in the morning, even though he is gone, he is still going to be always the word that I never say about many players, but legend will always be said about Kobe Bryant. Okay. All right, let me point out a couple things about Kobe Bryant. There was a point in my mind when he retired or even when he played that I actually thought that his intensity was so good that it wouldn't have bothered me if he ever became head coach of the L.A. Lakers. Magic Johnson failed miserably. He really, really did because his ego was so big that he thought everybody could be as good as him. And don't get me wrong, I love Magic Johnson, and he's done a lot for the Lakers. But I actually thought with Bryant's mentality that it wouldn't have bothered me if he ever became the head coach of the Lakers. I felt he was actually the type of one that could do such a job. Never happened, but that's one of the things that entered my mind. We'll never know now. And, of course, Kobe uh, will never know what he could have done after basketball because he was already open to doing a lot of different opportunities. I know that ESPN has him on ESPN Plus, if I understand. Uh, so that was the beginning of some things, but... Yeah, I think when you put things in perspective, and I've talked about it throughout the program, bad journalism, fake, fake media is more prevalent nowadays in social media as well. And it's a joke. I'll mention it to you like I mentioned it to everybody else, okay? When the Ronald Reagan assassination attempt took place, I was watching ABC News coverage. Frank Reynolds ripped a lot of his colleagues in and out because he wasn't worried about it becoming first. It was a matter of making sure they get it right. So, you know, the news media failed because there's such a competition about getting it right first. Well, I don't care if it's Kobe Bryant or anybody else. Just because you're first doesn't mean you're the best. Some of the early lessons that I had in this industry occurred when I was working for the NBC affiliate in Miami behind the scenes and I took a lot of pride that we were the first sportscast on at 20 minutes after the hour of 11, and the other ones would follow suit. And I worked very diligently behind the scenes to get these scores right. And some, and I found a lot of situations for which, you know, the other stations didn't have the games, and we went on first. That's called victory, my man. Both you and Jake and anybody out there listening 
you know, it wasn't a matter of getting it first. It's about getting it right. And with us starting first and getting scores that they didn't get, showed that we outworked our competition. I know, I know, I went off on two different tangents here, but I think that Coach Kobe Bryant was certainly NBA coaching mentality, and it, it's a shame that he never uh, became the LA Lakers head coach. But his blueprint was written all over the uh, franchise. And again, getting back to my point, okay, that Frank Reynolds is the guy that I will always idolize in our industry because Frank Reynolds certainly knew what it was like. He was ahead of his time. If Frank Reynolds saw what we see nowadays with this media, he would do cartwheels and turn over in his grave and, and gag. That's how good Frank Reynolds was. It is the same thing you say about Dan Patrick, you know, because when I went into the school of sportscasting, I didn't know what to expect. I, I thought it was going to be another Illinois media school, honestly. And when I met Dan and I asked him questions and I even talked to him, you know, one-on-one, he said to me, I don't want you to be first. It's always good to have longevity by being right. Exactly. And, Matt, and I'm not going to say the guy's name of ABC News, but he knows who he is. He comes out on live television on an ABC News special report and says, I believe that all of Kobe's daughters were on board as well. And everybody went crazy over it. Right. And their ABC affiliates that continued on with the story, and then they found out they were dead wrong. And it all started with TMZ. And just to bring up a preview, I'm going to have a friend of mine from the Dan Patrick School of Sportscasting in uh, 93.9 The Game in Orlando. Mike Tuck is going to come on my podcast tomorrow. We're taping it. And one of our things we're going to talk about is the failure of news journalism, of how they got this wrong, how we didn't know what was going on, and why... TMZ putting out the names before everybody was identified and before the press conference was illegal. And it's uh, it's going to be an interesting conversation. But, yeah, that that's the stuff that really just it got on my nerves because I love this business. But, you know something, Scott? It really got on my nerves when I heard Shaquille O'Neal, Rick Fox, all say the same thing. Rick Fox was on, uh, on TNT with her. Johnson, Kenny Smith, and Shaquille O'Neal. And Rick Fox is talking about the story. And I'm going to go back to a guy named King Rice. This is Rick Fox's best friend. Uh, he's the Iona basketball coach. He calls up Rick Fox on Sunday afternoon. And he can't get a hold of him. Rick finally answers the phone. And he thinks, okay, I know about what's going on with Kobe Bryant. I'm sure they just want to talk about Kobe. And, he, and Rick said that King was in absolute tears. He just said, quote, I'm glad that you're alive. Rick goes, what are you talking about? And he said, well, I heard from a report that you were on a helicopter where Kobe Bryant was killed. And when Rick Fox says something like that during a tribute, that means news media, you failed. You were foolish. And you made a mockery of journalistic integrity. It doesn't matter if you are first it matters if you're right and you didn't do that and you caused such a mess Jake I think we can I think what I want to stray away from basketball real quick with this and kind of just get back to this element of family that we're talking about and you outlined it by you know further telling us you know obviously the names of the 
other victims that aren't getting the coverage that they deserve in the wake of this. I want to send my condolences, of course, to the Altabellis, to the Mausers, and then to the to the Bryant family, of course, Vanessa and her now her three surviving daughters. Kobe's father, I believe his name is Joe Bryant, and his uncle Chubby Cox, both former NBA players. I said this earlier in the show, but I feel like it bears repeating because this has been one of the harder broadcasts that I've had to do, even as somebody who wasn't a rather active basketball fan growing up. Loss is something that I feel like we're all going to have to deal with at one point or another. And I understand that in the last four days, this has been kind of a cliche. But you just really need to tell the people that are around you, even people that you've had differences with, just let them know, you know, how much that you care. Because at the end of the day, Scott said it earlier, and it's a universal truth. You never know when one breath is going to be your last. Just imagining, you know, like, Vanessa waking up every morning and her do- and her daughters and just the 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 surviving members of these families waking up and expecting to hear you know the voice of their you know law their now lost family members and or a text message or a phone call and not being able to do that not having really any way to get access to them I think that's something that's really you know being lost here it's you know not to say that they didn't cherish them during their lives but you know how how do we move on you know knowing that you know these people you know are going to be without you know those that they held so dearest and i just want you know just everybody you know who's watching the news anybody in the media that's reporting it and to those that are out there just know that you know give respect to the people who are dealing with this because this really isn't something easy it's more than just you know 48 minutes four quarters and five nba championships and an mvp for kobe bryant it's you know it you know it's life it's mamba mentality it's everything bigger than the sport itself and and i really think we need to just just take time and just you know let the people in your life know that you care because you again you never know when the light's going to go out and Unfortunately, there's no battery to turn that light back on. Yeah, I mean, again, we, 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 uh, we've talked about a lot. You've seen some of my posts on social media. You know, you have to live every day so for your last. Tomorrow's not a given. No, it's not. The man, it's not. The man upstairs will tell you when time is to check out, and you, and you do it. But again, Jake, I'm going to get back to what I've said to a lot of the other guests. This is your first rodeo with it, okay? Mm-hmm. This was completely avoidable. Yeah. It was. You are right. It was. And and you know what? Uh, With all due respect, okay, if I didn't have a lot of respect for all you guys on my team, okay, I I probably would have not given as much time to Kobe Bryant as I am. But I feel like this is therapy that every one of you, like you, Lewis, you, Jake, Xavier McKnight, Okay, this is an opportunity for you younger guys to go ahead and vent about what you feel. Chris Roberts and I were on earlier, and he was giving us the L.A. perspective. Mel Farr obviously dealt with the death of his father, and we all know when to check out. Bill Winters and I had an opportunity to go ahead and uh, talk about it on uh, earlier in the week. And Rick Curdy, of all people, just chastised the hell out of the Super Bowl, for God's sake, and uh, made, didn't even talk about Bryant. No disrespect towards Kobe. Okay, this is an opportunity for everyone on this network 
that had an opinion that wanted to get it off their chest to do it. But again, I'm going to go back to what I said earlier, okay? And that's this. Pilot error. Discretionary. Kobe Bryant's plane. Kobe Bryant should have known better that the weather was not that great on that given day, and he had veto power and chose not to use any of it. Period. And as a result, a lot of lives were affected by what took place because of circumstances that were avoidable. And there was even reports of engine problems I know, as well. but the bottom line is engine trouble is fine. But the bottom line is, Lewis, okay, the weather was an issue. I don't care if the engine's bad or not. The weather was bad. Fog. You understand? Do you? Yeah, bad yeah. Visibility. It was bad visibility. Bad visibility. visibility. Yeah. Yeah, was, yes. So forget about the stupid the engine. Is, and the, the thing is, is that we are going to learn more as we go along here in the next couple of weeks. But right now, it's at that point of just mourning and then having their private funeral and, you know, going from there. But we're going to learn more as we go along here. And as I said before, I did read a lot about, you know, this could have been prevented. Simply could have been prevented, but there was bad visibility. Right. The planes were grounded at this point, and they, I mean, planes were even delayed at this point. Right. You know, you don't want to take a chance, but, you know, they decided to do it, and, you know, unfortunately, it had tragic circumstances. And here we are today, instead of talking about Super Bowl 54, right. two tremendous teams. But you brought up therapy here for a moment, Scott, and I feel like the therapy I got was. On Tuesday night, when um, I think it was actually Monday night, yeah, Monday night, it was Monday night, and I was at, um, I was working my job, and I look up at the TV, and my favorite Kobe Bryant game is on there, and it was his final game, April thirteenth, twenty sixteen, against the Utah Jazz. Right. He puts sixty points, puts a fifteen points in the last three minutes of the game, and I just sat there with the biggest smile on my face, and I was getting into it, and then. When he waved goodbye to the crowd and walked out of the Staples Center, it faded to black before Sports Center started. And I sat there for about three seconds and said to myself, okay, that was my morning period. Now it's time to get back into life here. Because if we could all just live life the best way like Kobe Bryant did, just like Gigi did, like Kent, like the Altabelli family did, Mouser family did, the Chester family did, and the pilot we can do anything. We can take this as a precaution going forward and trusting our gut. But at the end of the day, these people all lived their lives out the best way they could until their final breath. It's sad to say that they are gone from our lives, but you know, we don't know much about Christina Mauser except she was a, a girls basketball coach. She was an assistant uh, with Kobe Bryant. Uh, the Chester family was a big part of the, the Bryant family and the Altabelli family as well. And, and pretty much, you know, even though I don't know Kobe Bryant, I didn't know the Altabellis, I didn't know Chester, I didn't know Ara, they, it just felt like we were mourning nine people this week, even though it was all shadowed by the tributes by Kobe Bryant respectfully. Well, to be frankly honest with you, we should be mourning a tenth. You know who that is? 
John Andretti, the auto uh, motorsports guy, died of colon cancer after being diagnosed in 2017. Here's a guy that went ahead and raced in the Indy 500 and the Coca-Cola 600 and passed away today uh, at the age of 56. But yet Kobe Bryant has stolen all the thunder. And yes, Jake, you're right. We should be talking about the Super Bowl. Again, I'm not trying to be unsympathetic toward Kobe Bryant. I'm not. It's about John Andretti here, but there was also a death yesterday that a friend of mine told me about because he used to play with him, Chris Dolman. That's true. Okay, good. Thanks for bringing that up. Yesterday, and all I heard was on part of the interruption at the end of the show, a melancholy to Chris Dolman and his family. Thank you very much. Good night, Canada. Right. Okay. Well, there you go. Okay. So we should be mourning 11 people. Okay. We should. Not nine. Although, again, my hearts and prayers go out to the family that passed away in addition to Colby and his child, but Chris Dolman, as well as John Andretti today. Guys, we should be talking about who the heck's going to be winning the Super Bowl. I was over at the Miami Beach Convention Center, and when half the topic is on this subject, okay, is on Bryant and the game, but yet that's the reality that we're dealing with that we had to do it. So... You know, but it is what it is. So, all right, Jake, let's talk about the Super Bowl for a minute. Give me at least a prediction. (laughs) There is a game, by the way, folks, on Sunday called Super Bowl 54. Does anybody know that? (laughs) I think we all forgot. Yeah, Yeah, I know we did. uh, I think it's going to be a tremendous football game. I think it will be close. Uh, One of two things is going to happen. Either... Either the 49ers are going to jump out to a big lead and Patrick Mahomes is going to be tested, or it's going to be the other way around and the, che- and the 49ers are going to have to play catch-up. But this is going to be a great football game. They're very well evenly matched. I mean, the Chiefs offense comes in fifth overall in offense with 28 points per game. They have a top-10 scoring defense and a pass defense, while the 49ers have a terrific front seven that is going to come after them they got a very good offensive line that is going to be tested but i feel like the better quarterback is going to win it's going to be patrick mahomes i like what the niners are doing in the future but andy reed it's your time my friend i'm going to take the kansas city chiefs 27 and the 49ers 23 and, I, and i'll say all along i've always felt that the 49ers are going to win 21 to 17 so that's what I think. Lewis, go ahead. Give us a prediction tonight, man. 30-24. to 24, I'll, I think San Francisco's going to win it, but again, I can go either way. Well, but that's what, that's where you're going to go. Because yeah. now you're on. Now you, you're I'm recording. on record. I'm you're on, on record, record. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I mean, but you know, I understand a lot of the fact that this is one of our emotional shows. I understand it. I get it. You know, anytime a, a tragedy of this place takes place, it's hard. I mentioned to Chris Roberts earlier today was on the program. The Marshall tragedy many years ago was one that was certainly tough. The Roberto Clemente tragedy occurred. One, we're forgetting the Evansville, Indiana basketball team. And the Evansville, team. Indiana. Good point, Lewis. You bring that up. Marjorie Stoneman Douglas in our backyard. I mentioned that earlier. Uh, Aaron Feist. But I don't want to get into all those. But again, this, these are just classic examples of lives that were taken away before our time. But again, I may be uh, reiterating this particular point, folks. Okay, when a plane is going, when a helicopter is going 180 miles an hour, and you're 20 to 30 feet away from a mountain, and I was recently in California a few weeks ago, so I know the area that Chris Roberts was referring to. Mark my word, okay, 
they had no business being up in the air. Mm-hmm. Yeah. While my heart goes out to everybody, I still think that once again, th- this subject really, we, we've gone overboard and this is overload. I kid you not. But we had well, to do what we had to saw, do. The best thing I saw today was what I saw on the Dan Patrick show on Rich Eisen is they moved on. Their first story was about Patrick Mahomes, about all the hot takes that, you know, is Patrick Mahomes now the GOAT or something like that. And they had a good conversation. They were laughing back and forth. They were just business as usual. They brought on Kirk Cousins, David Ortiz, all that kind of stuff. And it felt like, all right, we've healed as a sports community. It's time to move on. We got a Super Bowl to cover. Let's do this. So, Thank you. On that yep. night, okay, that'll put a wrap on this edition of the Sports Exchange. I want to thank Chris Roberts, Mel Farr, Rick Curdy, Bill Winters, Xavier McKnight, and last but not least, Jake Ronholt, and of course, Louis Eddie Oase, and Candy Ebling was also contributing as well. So on behalf of our all-star crew tonight, we want to wish everybody a great weekend, and we'll look forward to being back on this Sports Exchange next week. Good night, everybody, Good night. from all of us. Good night.